The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host for tonight, Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And uh, the sound effect that you have just heard comes from none other than uh, Agent Underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! Yes, indeed. And we. this is the Comic Book Chronicles, and you can find this here uh, comic book podcast on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us on your podcast parental place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Cold Slither Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, um, yes, folks, uh, we are here tonight, once again, to go through the world of comics. Hey, um, we are going to start off with a recap of, uh, what if episode number five, Zambies. Yeah. You make it sound like they're from Zambia. They're zombies. So... Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, what if Season 1, Episode 5 has finally brought the world, the pseudoscience of zombies into the MCU? And boy, did it actually make some sense. So, you know, we've seen the What If series take a decidedly darker turn over the course of the five episodes that we've seen so far. And this latest episode was one of the darker ones. And I'm going to ring the spoiler bell as I discuss in very broad strokes what happened. And Roddy Cat will chime in as well. So, spoiler alert in three, two, one. All right. So, uh, what we find here is that. Uh, the story picks up during the events of Avengers Infinity War, just as Bruce Banner is sent to Earth by Heimdall to warn his fellow Avengers about Thanos. But when Bruce arrives at the Sanctum Sanctorum, 
uh, it's not exactly as we remember it. it uh, what happens in a, Infinity War does not exactly play out. And what we find is that some of the events that let that were happening concurrently with the events of Infinity War serve to um, set the stage for an alternate what if story here. And we won't spoil exactly what happens, but, you know, it's only been a day. But what I can say is that this is probably one of the more logical what if stories that we've gotten so far simply because it changes a subtle thing it doesn't do what the uh the hank pym story did which is change what we knew to be um the mcu canon as it were what it does is just change a subtle um a subtle note in ant-man and the wasp and it's that note which was touched on actually in the movie hmm Although that that Janet is feeling different because she has, you know, become connected to the energy that she has encountered in the quantum, you know, in in the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. So they touch on it. But the twist that they that they invoke here, which brings the, the world of Marvel zombies into the MCU, I thought was it's obviously not novel. But at the end of the day, I thought it was a very a very well thought out idea and it made the transition into a zombie apocalypse very very just suitable right uh i i will say that um uh there is i guess it could be you could say there's a tie between there there's a kind of a tie between uh this episode and the last episode in that uh, well, spoiler alerts. Uh, Hank Pym ends up doing the same thing in, in different ways, <laughs> in, in both uh, uh, or it's similar things, I should say, in both episodes. The than 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 he did in that last one, i.e., kill some Avengers. So um, that's it's an interesting. Job. But yeah, continue. Well, because at the end of the day. What we have is the events of Infinity War unfolding almost as we remember them, but obviously with the intervention of the now, and I won't spoil how we get to the uh, the, the the zombified Avengers, but we end up with the zombified Avengers, and ultimately um, the the hijinks start there, and it turns into. Um, uh, a kind of a typical zombie movie, not necessarily an episode of The Walking Dead, but we also have some fun little in-jokes like Peter Parker basically invoking all of the zombie movie rules uh, that you see during the course of his basically establishing what the rules are for zombies in this context, in this corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I thought that was really a well-done, well-thought-out way of establishing the rules and setting up the stakes for this episode. Right. I believe Zombieland, the movie Zombieland, was was, uh, referenced, uh, at least in a couple of videos, or at least the video that I saw for like an Easter egg video, which it does kind of, and also the uh, Spider-Man movies, uh, the, current, the the most recent Spider-Man movies, where uh, especially when he's uh, going through the 
the um, the rules of it. You know, the video that w- that was being done was a, a very you know Spider Man or, or current, uh, recent Spider Man movies thing, but also like I said, Zombie Land, where they actually go through the rules. Right, and unfortunately, what we get here is that you know we ha- we have a. Uh, a seemingly doomed mission to look for a cure. And unfortunately what they find is that one of their comrades is at the heart of um, a supposed cure, but it turns out not everything is as it seems. And so ultimately, um, you know, the, 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 the ragtag group of heroes who are left are left to scramble. And uh, I, I think the ending of this particular what if was the best ending we've seen so far mm-hmm. in terms of the dramatic effect, because I had my mouth, you know, agape, my jaw dropped when I saw what uh, was awaiting the, 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 the remaining heroes in their quest for a cure uh, and what was awaiting them in Wakanda. Right. I got a real kick out of that. I was like, oh, I, I probably cursed out loud when I saw that. Right. They thought they were going to a safe haven, but boy, they're going they're in for a rude awakening when they finally get there. Or if they finally get there, because I don't know if, they're, if this is going to be like addressed in another episode or something, but I kind of doubt. Um, but yeah, uh, that was that was kind of crazy. Like, Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, you know, because as we said earlier, it, you know, the events of Infinity War are on a in a very loose sense still happening but with zombies mm-hmm. and that just thinking of it in those terms just extrapolating what could be happening with those with that framework in mind i thought that was just a really well executed cliffhanger ending for this what if like i said i i definitely had uh that 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 you know it had a wow factor to it right it was a um, also an interesting smattering of um, MCU uh, characters. Also, um, you know, um, mostly made up of you know, th- well, I mean, it, it's basically a, a, a secondary a, character. Yeah, I, well, I didn't want to say there was that, a lot but, of the yeah. secondary characters. You throw in Bucky, you throw in Bruce Banner, you throw in Spidey. And 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 uh, T'Challa does make an appearance. Yes, as does the Vision. But uh, yeah, what, uh, what what Roddy Cat says is definitely on point. In that we get, in terms of this ragtag group of heroes, several of the secondary players that are on the MCU board that ha- that were on the MCU board at that time in Infinity War. Some would say second and third, given one or two, but or at least oh, given one uh, at the very least. Yeah. Definitely, um, but uh, yeah, like it was. It was. A, I, I'm not that big on Marvel zombies just in general, much less the, the Marvel version of it. But it was a pretty good. Um, I, I, it was a pretty decent episode, I dare say. Right, I'm not much of a zombie person. I did watch like the first several seasons of The Walking Dead, but you know, in the sense that they really focused upon the people, so you know, as opposed to the zombies, but. You know, I found this episode to be pretty compelling. And I think that, you know, Marvel Zombies in a what if episode is the perfect way to introduce 
the concept. I don't think they ever have to do an entire Marvel Zombies movie. But, right. uh, you know, I guess you can never say never. You know, you never know when we'll see if we'll see something like that in the future. Right. Um, also, shout out to them for getting uh, a bunch again, getting, you know, a bunch of the original or the uh, the original MCU characters to to uh, come back and voice uh, their their characters. Um, I guess particularly like Paul Ruggs. I don't think he had that many lines uh, throughout the whole thing, but apparently he came back for this. Don't I think the only person that they didn't get back was Tom Holland. Holland. He might have been. Oh, that might have been somebody else. I, well, because mm, they didn't. Uh, no, Hope. I think they might have got somebody else for also. Because I don't think uh, Evangeline Lilly came came back for that. I have to look at that one. Let me see. Now we're gonna look, folks. Yeah, so let just... us consult. Oh no, she did. She did. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say let us consult the IMDb. Yeah, but for the for the most part, everybody who's was in there who had a, uh, and I guess uh, shout out to them for having. Well, yeah, Chris Evans. That was the other one. Who didn't? Well, that's obviously yeah, that's a big one, obviously because uh, we know that uh, his contract was up. So, right. but no, no surprise that uh, that he both he and uh, Downey Jr. aren't part of the uh, the voice cast of What If to the, to date. Right, but yeah, exactly. Uh, but to, to actually, and the funny part about it is that they got a Spider Man, uh, they got a Spider Man voice actor to voice uh, Captain America. So you technically had two Spider Men. Right. Yeah, they had Josh Keaton. Right. Um, Did I believe Spectacular Spider-Man? That sounds right. Um, Actually, let's look real quick, shall we? Uh, That says 2017 Spider-Man. Oh, oh, did he do the Disney Spider? He might have done the Disney Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. And the Lego and some Lego Spideys. Yeah, so the Lego version. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, they totally got, you know, they got everybody. They got uh, David Desmalkian, who, who who shows up as Kurt. Mm-hmm. To which I was like, wait, who is this character? Oh, oh, right. That dude. Yeah, one of the security guys. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So, thankfully, they did not get T.I. Um... They probably would have recast. Yeah, yeah, probably. But regardless, like I said, um, all, all in all, it was a pretty decent. Uh, it was a pretty good episode, and um, like I said, I don't. Know, there's been a couple of them. I kind of would hope that they uh, revisit. Kind of, especially this one. Like I said, is, and I don't know if there's any plans to do that. I know we do know there is going to be a second season of uh, What If. Uh, but um, yeah, we don't know if they're gonna kind of revisit some of these worlds and say, "Hey, this is like we know." We also know what they're kind of setting up, you know, with with this first season. So uh, we don't know what their plans are from that. Exactly, it's hard to know ultimately what they've done here. At the barest minimum, is introduce the idea and reinforce the idea of the multiverse, and just having the concept out there for people who are following along will make tolerating, you know, we, uh, we, uh, Roddy Cat and I were discussing this just prior to the show, make tolerating uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and stuff that is probably going to be happening in Spider-Man No Way Home easier to swallow. 
for uh, MCU fans who are not as familiar with the multiverse concept in the Marvel in Marvel terms as maybe uh, aren't familiar aren't as familiar with the concept as maybe those who are in uh, are, who are fans of the comic books might uh, might might be better versed in. Right. So I guess that being said, we we may have I think we've probably wrung that one out uh, for this week. There's another one next week. We still got like what three more to go after this one. I think so. I think oh, it's four. nine total. Yeah. So and that was the fifth one. So yeah, there's four more to go to go after this one. All righty. So President Bartlett, what's next? And now we get into the comic book news. I'm just giving that the comic news. We're we're a little uh, we're we're not not yet not yet. We're going to get into the comic books of the week, starting off. Thank you. Starting off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-three. All righty, Amazing Spider-Man number seventy-three was written by Nick Spencer with art by Zay Carlos, Carlos Gomez, and Marcelo Ferreira. Colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna Paisan. So uh, we are in the penultimate chapter of Nick Spencer's long-running story that, in this stage, is called "Sins of Our Fathers." It's his, you know, it's. It's the seventy third issue, not counting all of the, uh, the the mini series that Spencer has sprinkled in to tell to to tell uh, parts of his story. I'm not exactly sure what his uh, issue count is in total over the course of his run on Spider-Man, but uh, Spencer is rapidly getting to the end of his run, and we have, uh, like I said, the penultimate chapter, and we're starting to see some of the reveals that he has in store for the end of his story, namely that Kindred has far more to do with the Osborne legacy, and we're still not sure exactly how that plays with regards to Norman and especially Harry Osborne. It's still not clear exactly what Kindred's relationship with Harry Osborne is, and it's been teased by Mephisto of all thing of all people of all characters uh, that uh, not everything is as it seems and hasn't been, has not been for a long time. So uh, with that retcon being in play, we get another retcon put into motion here. Several, in fact, because what characters seem to have remembered is not exactly as, as I said earlier, is not exactly as it seemed as they were happening simply because some long running plots were, were were being put into place, and some uh, elements of uh, Mysterio and Mendelstrom were being uh, were being put into, you know, or, or some of their elements, uh, and some of their parts of the story were being played to uh, orchestrate this long running scheme to really keep Spider Man off balance and to enact some some level of revenge some sort of plot against spider-man and his uh and his well-being and his sanity and you know with it's connected to this deal that 
uh, Norman Osborn made with Mephisto. And there's some memories that are being implanted and some things just never happened. This is the retcon I'm referring to. And it's actually referring to an infamous storyline written by J. Michael Straczynski that was titled Sins Past. And if you were reading Amazing Spider-Man at that time like I was, you probably had your head spinning as that storyline was playing out. And uh, that is the infamous story where Norman... Uh, and this is not really a spoiler for a book that is several years old at this point, where Norman is alleged to have gotten busy with one Gwen Stacy. And uh, uh, things happened, but it turns out that that may not be the case, at least as far as we know in this, you know, from, from what has been told and described in this book whether or not we come out of this uh, uh, run of Spider-Man with that story completely overturned we'll just have to wait and see there's another issue left right um, and I guess I'm not so now I'm no longer sure well it, it is I guess it's still kind of a spoiler but not so much as what I thought it was in the beginning because that was an article that I saw before reading this issue that seemingly spoiled a reveal and and it technically it kind of did but i don't know there are parts of this this issue that was kind of confusing me uh um 870 and i were talking about this before the show and it's like yeah coming out of this the there are, are a couple of things in here that are that are a bit confusing about this issue um that being said, uh, so, well, one, I guess the only thing I have to, to, to add to that, because uh, 87 pretty much, pretty much put everything uh, out there pretty nicely, but um, Mendelstrom is, apparently shows up in another Spidey book, which actually also brings me to this, because at the beginning of this issue, we see Spidey kind of limping into what I'm assuming is France. Because you see the uh, the Eiffel Tower in the background, and I'm sitting here like, how did he get there? Um, and I'm sitting here like, um, yeah, that uh, was like, part of the since past story, right? So, um, so I'm sitting, so I'm sitting here like, what is what is going on with that? What is going on with that? And in in addition to um, in, a, in addition to like some of the things that come across, like the 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 Age of Seventies um, description of the sense uh, sense past stuff, like I didn't remember because I don't remember reading that particular story. Um, but um, but yeah, so so some of that in within that was kind of confusing to me, and then there was a like. The, is the person that's showing up or that reveals themselves to be kindred in the first place is that a clone is that uh, an LMD what, is that well I guess well I no, I think we can pretty safely say that it might be a clone because given what was shown in the thing but like what's the state of Harry at this point you know because we see him in a couple of different places and in, in, in addition of um 
in addition of um, in addition of um, uh, seeing him on a, on a video screen. Sorry, I'm a little. I'm, I have not. Well, he's in the Borg, right? right? He's got a dead body. We got a dead. We've got a dead version of Harry Osborn in Carly's morgue. Right. So that's, you know, that's part of the, you know, that's part of the twist that's being revealed here. And, you know, what's admittedly a a big retcon for, for several things. They even mention American son, you know, during siege, right. You know, uh, uh, you know, some things that Norman and Harry have gone through and ultimately what, uh, uh, some of the scheme, you know, the, the you know some of the scheming that has that has come up, that uh, that Harry is is taking uh, extra responsibility for with the aid of the chameleon, you know, we're going back to like the life model decoys of Richard and Mary Parker, you know, we're going back to and, and then we get to the sins past storyline with the aid of Mysterio, so it's all you know it's all a, a, a kind of a big retcon at this point, and we have to kind of be patient at this point and see what comes up in number 74 and see how Spencer establishes a, a, a new status quo for uh, Peter and MJ going forward because we know fortunately or unfortunately that Ben Riley is going to be taking the mantle as of 75 so uh, you know, 74 is going to prove to be a big turning point for these characters and this kindred storyline. Right. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but lastly, to wrap up, there is, which, um, as folks may know, and I'm pretty sure have seen uh, in the news or in, in elsewhere, um, the, uh, I guess, anniversary of September 11th, 9-11, is coming up in a couple of days of the, as of this recording, uh, which we are recording on the 9th, which is also the anniversary of the Sega Dreamcast, uh, by the way. But that, that aside, um, uh, at, the, at the end of this uh, issue and a couple of other books, uh, actually it might be this whole week's run of books, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know I've only seen it in a couple of, couple of books this week. Um, right. There is has, I was about to say it has to have the cover of the book has to have a logo that has that is the cover to one of the 9-11 tribute books right. that was drawn by Kisada um, back then. And uh, if you get a copy of any of the Marvel books that that has that little symbol, the 20 year uh, never forget symbol on it, you get a six page. You know, no, it's more. I think it's more than a six page, but we get a. Uh, 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 a nice little story of uh, Captain America and Spider-Man, uh, drawn by John Romita Jr., who did the uh, the 9/11 uh, tribute issue of Amazing Spider-Man number 36 uh, in that volume of uh, Amazing Spider-Man with the uh, the black cover, and uh, you know you know infamously had Doctor Doom crying, but. You know, it's at the end of the day. You know, I was I was not one of the people that complained about that because it was such a sad time. Right. But uh, the story is called the Four Fives, and it's about the the five. I had to Google this because I'm not as familiar with the term. But the fives are the the bells. The how many times a bell is struck uh, when a fire depart when when a when a member of the fire department is. Uh, is, is killed in, in action 
and uh, they they ring the the bell five times uh, in a set of four, and that's it, that's what that symbolizes. So the ti- the story is titled Four the Four Fives, and uh, yeah, it's um you know it's an it's a quiet tribute and a quiet remembrance of uh, September of the attacks of September 11th. Right. Uh, and by the way, I believe that, well, actually I know if, well, one, uh, if you are in, if you are watching the video version of this program, you can see this cover of Amazing Spider-Man and you can see down at the bottom left the, uh, the little symbol that Agent Seven was just talking about for the, uh, for the books that have the tribute on it. But also, you can also go to the show notes where, uh, in the clickbait section, uh, you can see two things. One of which is the, um, at least I thought I put it in there. Hold on, where is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there is the uh, aforementioned 20th anniversary tribute, uh, the four fives, that uh, has been reprinted, uh, or has been redistributed uh, in digital form at uh, uh, Comicsology. So you can go to, uh, go check that out in, in the clickbait section and go get a copy of that for free. Um, um, I'm not sure if there's more to it than this than than just this than this this true because I didn't check it out, but it is there for you. And you can also check out um, some other stuff, including the uh, the uh, the creepiest Spider-Man story ever got rewritten and the original writer approved story from Games Radar that Agent uh, uh, Seventy contributed to the the clickbank section, talking about Amazing Spider-Man uh, seventy-three and what was uh, retconned in this issue. Uh, that being said, we can move on to another book. Uh, Alrighty, what's next? Let's see. Let me see what you read because I didn't really take a look. Uh, you want to do champions? Sure. We will move on to champions number nine. Uh, it's written by Danny Lore, with art by Luciano Vecchio, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So. I will set this up and let Roddy Cat take it away. We are on the latest chapter of the champions trying to get into, trying to infiltrate uh, the Rocks On Corporation through the Rocks On social media app and its social media arm. And uh, uh, it's not exactly going well when we catch up with our heroes at the beginning of the issue. Take it away, Roddy Cat. Well, yes, at least it doesn't seem that way, but um, uh, it we were in a spot where Viv Vision was trying to infiltrate and she got kind of caught behind enemy lines, well, almost got caught behind enemy lines, except for the intervention of one Kamala Khan, who had previously kind of run away from the scene because she had put, been put into a position that she didn't want to be in, um, thanks to Nova. Uh, but she kind of came back and, and uh, helped out with that but, and helped um, uh, Vision get in the way uh, before kind of regrouping with the rest of the team and uh, them using, uh, basically turning up uh, a good bit of turnabout with uh, something that uh, Kamala was pressed into doing uh, at a rally. She was uh, pressed into... Uh, you know, uh, uh, 
basically coming out in favor of uh, Roxanne uh, at a group rally or at a, a rally that they were holding for their social media app. And uh, the champions ended up using that uh, event to turn, thing, turn things around and uh, pretty much fight fire with fire uh, in a pretty social media type way. And they had a pretty tight plan about it. So it was a, it was a, it was a pretty good to see how it went down. You even see a couple of clips, uh, uh, not a couple of clips, but a couple of panels of um, not necessarily extraneous members, but other members of the champions kind of help out in the, in the, uh, in the side of it. And it was, uh, it was a good look. Ultimately, we come to find out, spoiler alert, folks, uh, we get a vote uh, on the um, whether or not the Kalamala law, which is at this point, well, in, in at least in, in comic book reading time has been going on what this since last year? Without yeah, the storyline. That's about right. Yeah, with yeah. The, without last storyline has now pretty much come to a close one way, shape, or I won't spoil what the way it went down, but you can kinda guess. Um but as I said as I was as I said in my notes, um all's well that ends in a new villain that comes out of this because it kind of goes a certain way and the champions kind of, kind of turn about things. But uh, apparently someone at Roxanne wasn't, uh, wasn't trying to hear that and, uh, ends up going against, uh, going against his, uh, employees. Right. And it's a character that I think has some history with, uh, is it with Riri? Yes. With Riri. And that was from, I think from Iron Man, the Iron Man 2020 storyline from last year or something. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I did not read exactly, but you know, I know that they, they do drop a note in, uh, the pages of champions so that you know where to go look. But, um, it's a, it's a character that has a connection to Riri. So there is some personal vendetta here. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, as Roddy Cat said, um, what, you know, while the champions may have been able to deal with one thorn in their side, another one seems to seems ready to, uh, to 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 impose itself upon them. It is nice to see the core team of champions kind of hash things out because they had had some personal issues amongst themselves in the execution of this plan to take down or at least infiltrate the rocks on social media arm. Correct. And it was also nice to see, as Roddy Cat said, not extraneous, but the, the greater membership of the champions, the extended membership of the champions uh, playing a part, even if it was very, very much a, a glorified cameo. Right. Uh, we definitely do have the core group of champions here, um, you know, it, it's it's very reminiscent. Uh, you know, and before we move on, it's very reminiscent of um, the Marvel version of the Teen Titans, but it would seem like they probably need a couple of more core members so that they can keep rotating them in and out. But uh, you know, having the, the the steady five seems to work for them for now. Yeah. And, and and I'm sure they'll have like just like in this issue they'll have like other members kind of still come in because even in the wrapping of this book it was like yeah you know people still have some stuff to hash out and you know pretty much most of the people um, 
uh, acquainted with the champions that are still around because I think they even addressed that in the in the closing uh, closing part of it. And it's like, yeah, some people had to drop out, you know, or whatever. Because maybe I love I love how Miles was like, yeah, I love me a cameo, which basically, like Agent Seventy said, some people showing up was pretty much a glorified cameo. So, um, and I don't know. I feel like part of that was kind of breaking the fourth wall, but we, but not really. Um, but that being said, in closing, yeah, so there were some people that couldn't really take part, and they was like, have some issues, and they're still hashing some things out. But, it, you know, the core group and pretty much everybody else associated with, including seemingly a couple of new people, now that I think about it, um, are still down for the ride. So we'll see uh, what's going on. Uh, with that in going issues. Uh, also, the art style is, is... I'm still loving the art style in this. Uh, for this... Uh, it took a second in transition when the, when the, when the artists changed. When, 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 mm-hmm. when, when the creative team changed. But it was, but uh, that was not saying that the art was bad. It was just a very very different art style than the previous, um, than the previous arc. Yeah, it's uh, a shift. It's definitely a manga influence mm-hmm. there's definitely heavy manga influence on it yeah. but uh it's it's good it definitely still carries uh it's, it's uh, a strong superhero flavor i would say that uh in closing from my end that it just reminds me that we really need a viv vision uh marvel legend so that we can actually put together the core team of uh, the champions because we have everyone mm-hmm. we may not have iron heart in this alien armor but we have iron heart in the uh, iron man style armor so it'd be nice to get a vision so we can put together a, cha- a lineup of champions. Indeed, indeed. And she has to come with Sparky, just like, you know, just just like uh, the, is, is in the book. That has sure. To uh, that being said, we can move on to another book. I guess we do one more before we go to Rapid. Okay. You want to go ahead and pick? What's next? Uh, let's see. Did you read... Uh, Shang-Chi number four. I did. Shang-Chi number four is written by Jean Luen Yang with art by DK Ruan, colors by Triona Farrell, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and our favorite Paisan Joe Caramagna teaming up with Travis Lanham. So, uh,. I you know it's, it's like I want some penny alla vodka or something after I uh, invoke Joe Caramagna's uh, Italian heritage. You will have but, to tell uh, me what that is because I've never heard I've not heard of that one. What? That vodka you just mentioned. Penny alla vodka? Yeah, I've never heard of. Oh, that. I'm gonna have to send Rodicat. No, no, no hate mail to Rodicat. You know he just hasn't had one of the, the one of the more popular uh, pasta dishes. I think you can get at Olive Garden. Oh, it's been it's a long pasta dish. I thought it was a, I thought it was alcohol. Okay. No penny, yeah, penny olive vodka. Penny, it's the okay. uh, you know the the sauce is made with vodka. Oh, so it's vodka. Oh, it's uh, penny and vodka. So also, I've had that. I've had that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, I thought so, no, I was thinking alcohol. No, so that's funny. But anyway, uh, what we have here is. Um, the latest round of Shang-Chi versus members of the Marvel Universe as uh, Shang is trying to Shang-Chi is trying to reform uh, and, and, and there are unfortunately or fortunately some parallels to some of the things that we see in the movie. No spoilers. Roddy Cat still hasn't seen it. Yeah, but I, um, but I do. But I did notice that. Right. 
so uh, what in, in, in the comics, what Shang-Chi is trying to do is reform the five deadly weapon society and uh, take back what um, uh, what uh, Zheng Zhu, uh, you know, basically uh, did as part of this criminal society. And uh, in this issue, and I'm trying to get to my review copy, that's really what, um, you know, you don't, you may not hear me clicking like mad, but I'm trying to get to it, folks. So just bear with me here. Um, trying to advance through so, yeah, my so stash. So I can kind of go in, I can go ahead and start. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead. Um, so basically he goes to the, he, uh, calls up the FF because and I must have missed this part about this from the last issue which I, I think I kind of did um, he goes to the FF looking for help to I'm actually I'm not, not going to think about it because I did reread that issue. it didn't really I don't think that was that was even mentioned last issue but he needs help going into to go into the negative zone so he calls up Reed Richards who was like uh, yeah I heard some rumors um, so um, what's, what's up so and and the the FF being not even on Earth anyway at the time, you know, couldn't really do anything for him. So basically, uh, Reed was like, "Oh, so you are the head of you know you are with uh, the Five Weapon Foundation, uh, Five Weapon Society. We I can't help you because I'm not gonna uh, put my family in danger based on you and a dream, or based on the dream, not you, or and based on the the Five Weapon Society." So right. Shang, so, so yeah, just just to, just so, very quickly, Shang Chi has a dream. Yes. Right at the beginning of the issue, where uh, there is the imagery of the house, of the original house of the Deadly Hand, where he grew up, but he seems to recognize somehow. He seems to recognize that it's not where it should be, mm-hmm. but is apparently. Uh, somewhere else, and he he consults one of the uh, the the magic people, the mas- master Ling of the uh, Five Weapon Society, and uh, uh, the the the, me- the memory spell that's cast is that um, they discover that Shang Chi is dreaming of the negative zone. I'm like, wow, how do you know that? Right, exactly. But it's part of the story conceit. So what can you do? And that's and 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 as Variety Cat said, that's how Shang Chi contacts. Uh, that's why Shang Chi contacts um, uh, the FF because you know they are obviously the foremost uh, experts on the negative zone, and that starts some shenanigans. And you know I'm not Chinese, and I had no idea that the number four yes. was uh, had a certain connotation with it i did and i because i've seen it what's before, that but i said i did because i've seen it before but yeah all right so i did not know this uh offhand so i was surprised by it. where did you see it where have you seen it i feel like this has come up in in other media um matter of fact it might have even come up in comics before but i know i've seen it in other places uh talking about uh China, basically talking about the the number four in chinese in 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 china or chinese uh, is is, is bad luck like 13 here is they even address that part too because it's like yeah americans think 13 uh 13 is an unlucky number so basically four is an unlucky number just like in in chinese culture uh just like 13 is here right so that's you know that was news to me so i was intrigued by that and ultimately uh that's a kind of a running gag 
that Sister Dagger uh, uh, uses during the course of the issue. Yes. And uh, basically, Shang-Chi and his family um, slash uh, members, fellow members of the Five Weapon Society are uh, infiltrating uh, the... Well, I guess what they say is that it's the Baxter building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Because apparently it's open to the public now, or open for tours at the very least, and or they got it enough um, erected enough to where they're they can host right. tours. Right, yeah, exactly. I, the only reason why you can hear my trepidation is because I can't remember when uh, that was actually accomplished. Because the you know in the Fantastic Four book they're all living on Yancey Street because right. the Baxter Building uh, was destroyed when they were uh, dealing with the uh, the the creation of the Forever Gate. Well, so and we talked I, about this. And we know that, no, but what I was going to say is we know that it's being reconstructed right. in the shadow of the Forever Gate. Right. We just don't, I didn't realize that they were done at this point. So. Well, so we still don't know whether they are actually done because the last time we saw the the Baxter building, like, I think the, the top floor, and I think that was in either Fantastic Four or something, like the top floors are still being uh, constructed. Worked for on, the, yeah. For the, yeah, but for the, the majority of the building is pretty much done with the exception of the top. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right. So basically, Shang Chi and members of his family, and the mutant that they did, that they rescued in uh, the X Men crossover issue, um, which was oh, no, issue. it's actually it's it actually another issue. member of the house uh, right. of of five houses, right? Yes, uh, it is his half sister. It is his actual half sister. Well, they're all half siblings. They're all well, half-siblings. yeah, they're all half siblings. Yes, but um, and see, and that was the part that I was like missing because I'm like, where does this person come from, and where does the and I did reissue three, but I don't remember re- finishing it. But then I went back and, and, and checked it out and checked it out. And yeah, last issue was when this, this person shows up. And yeah, they went to go find her. And turns out she's a mutant, which she didn't even know. And, and yeah, Wolverine was there and blah, blah, blah. They already ended up that one. But regardless. Um, so yeah, so she's with her and she's more mystic in nature and not more. And matter of fact, they, yeah, they said that is like uh, the. Um, in the beginning, the five weapons was supposed to uh, bring together the the martial arts and the mystical branches uh, um, uh, of their culture. Uh, hence, uh, the uh, the other reason why she's there uh, um, also. Right. But and she's also a mutant, right. so that's a whole other situation there. Right. But and, of course, they have to use science. They have to, you know, basically hijack one of Reed's uh, uh, ships to make it into the negative zone. Mm-hmm. And when they finally make it into the negative zone, they discover someone who I never realized was lost. So they went in looking for his supposedly, right. So they supposedly they went in looking for his sister come to find out this person that, uh, well, is lost. sister hammer, right. Specifically right. sister hammer. Thank you. Because Which, remember sister hammer was in the uh, the original or the previous miniseries, right. and uh, at the beginning of this miniseries was established as being on the run to a, you know to a certain right. extent, basically separating herself from the Five Weapon Society right. while Shang Chi is trying to reform it. And as Roddy Cat said, uh, that's who they intended to find in the negative zone. That's who they thought would be in the negative zone, but. Um, Spoiler alert. 
it's not. Yes, it is not. In fact, if you have seen the movie... Yeah, I was about to say, we won't spoil it completely, yeah, but yeah. It, it is another actual family member. So, and my thinking was, like, even going into this issue, it was like, wait, wait, how did she even get there? How did her sister, well, who they thought was their sister, being get being a negative to don't get there in the first place? Because, like, as you said, like, she was on the run, but, like, there was no indication of she, her being gone or to the point of being in the negative zone, put it that way. Mm-hmm. So outside of this dream that um, um, that uh, Shang-Chi had, which was apparently misinterpreted slightly. But regardless, yeah, so another family member uh, ends up showing up and then they um, they uh, get they escape with her, but not without having a confrontation with the FF. Not exactly, well, I guess it kind of is like the... So this is kind of one of the future co- co- covers where it kind of does... The, the thing on the cover actually does happen because all the covers of Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi before now suggested confrontation where there wasn't exactly um, where there wasn't exactly one. But in this case, there was. And at the end of the issue, uh, apparently there's going to be a, a meeting of some minds uh, after this uh, because of this confrontation. Which I right. guess we and should we, we knew was right, probably going to come at some point. No, I was about to say, go ahead. Um, no, I'm done. There, no, there seems to be multiple meetings of multiple characters. You know, like like let's say parallel meetings. Sure. Of characters in the wake of Shang Chi trying to, you know, in the course of these issues trying to reform the Five Weapon Society. Sure. We have a, a group of characters that are recruiting. Uh, against Shang-Chi who are not heroes and we have a group of characters who are meeting who are at least trying to gauge what Shang-Chi is up to and they are as we know you know are 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 the heroes that we that we know in the in in the Marvel universe right and there's probably going to be a quote-unquote intervention in, in in the coming issues I suspect more likely than not more likely than not so that uh, that takes care of the bad luck issue of uh, Shang Chi. Ah! Um. So I I, I wonder I kind of legit wonder if uh, if if that was what they were going for with this being issue four and that coming up in the in the issue. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. So with that being said, um. We can move on to Rabbit Fire, I guess. Yes, absolutely. I'll spin it up. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh, let's see. What you? Uh, well, I was about to say, you want me to go? Because yeah, I have. You don't have that many more. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. And All right. Need, so there's a couple of them that? that I do. I said there's a couple of them that I I will chime in on if uh, if I need be. Absolutely. So first up for me is uh, Batman number 112. It's written by James Tinney in the fourth with art by Jorge Jimenez, colors by Tomo Mori and letters by Clayton Cowles, who is freelancing on this and not with VC. So uh, as I have been talking about when I do talk about the main Batman book, um, we are leading up to the state 
that we find Batman's book in during Future State. And the story that this is all leading up to is actually called Fear State. And we find ourselves in the midst of uh, the Simon Saint character almost getting what he wants, which is uh, the control, which is control over the uh, law enforcement in Gotham City and a specific mandate to take out all masked vigilantes and, you know, superhero types in Gotham City. So this is Fear State Part 1. Batman and his allies regroup in this issue once uh, Batman figures out that he has been uh, drugged and subjugated or or subjected to... uh, uh, some advanced my possible mind control techniques by the scarecrow uh, over the course of previous issues. So he and several members of the bat family get together to try to figure out what to do next. So um, the uh, ghost maker character is off with Harley Quinn trying to uh, figure out how to help out the Unsanity Collective and uh, Queen Ivy apparently no longer going by Poison Ivy. And so trying to get these disparate groups to work together against what they what would what would really be considered their common enemy, that being uh, Simon Saint, Saint Industries, the Peacekeepers and Scarecrow. Uh, ultimately, we have. Uh, one of the peacekeepers having some issues and Simon Saint uh, basically breaking several rules to try to take to take in uh, this rogue operative. So that is essentially what happens in Batman uh, number 112. There is a backup story uh, featuring uh, the clown hunter. But uh, there isn't all that much to it. But there is a backup story uh, involving Clown Hunter. Next up is Daredevil number 34. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Stefano Landini, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Uh, This time working under the uh, virtual calligraphy umbrella. So we have in this issue a direct follow-up to the events of the previous issue where um, uh, police officer um, trying to get uh, – well, Detective Cole North has gone into uh, the prison that is holding Daredevil and is trying to negotiate – uh, and and have them stand down because there is uh, an ongoing prison riot. Ultimately, what we find out is that the uh, the warden and the staff of the prison were up to no good. And this is something that Daredevil had discovered earlier on in this arc. But there is uh, something amiss and something uh, causing the uh, there's something in the air, and that's a big spoiler. There's something in the air that is causing the inmates to act up and to uh, basically uh, increase the the rate of uh, recidivism. And that actually, that word actually plays a role in the naming of this drug. But ultimately, 
uh, we have a reason for Daredevil's seeming turn to the dark side that we found at the last uh, at the end of the last issue. So we'll see how that plays out because Daredevil kind of snaps out of it as a result of finding out about some outside world news, that being uh, the bullseyes, and I'm stressing the plural here, the bullseyes running amok on the streets of New York and uh, Lady Daredevil, a.k.a. Electro Nachios, uh, recuperating from her uh, wounds at the hands of these bullseyes and looking to uh, confront them after getting some healing thanks to some Tony Stark nanotechnology. Hmm. We find at the end of this issue that uh, Elektra is looking to confront these bullseyes and she gets some unexpected help from another erstwhile daredevil foil who up until recently has been working with uh, the Kingpin as a personal bodyguard. So it's interesting to see this particular character turn and maybe not join the side of the angels, but definitely take sides with daredevil and lady daredevil in this book. So um, that is an interesting twist. This issue also has the nine 11 uh, remembrance uh, tribute at the end of uh, the issue. Uh, next up, on, before, you, before you go on, I think I've asked this question before, but that cold North character has no relation to Dakota North, is it? Uh, that is my understanding. No okay. relation. Okay. Next up is a book I believe you read as well, and that is Excalibur number twenty-three. Yes. Alrighty, so uh, Excalibur number twenty-three is written by Tinny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. Colors by Eric Arseniega and letters by VCs Ariana Maher or Mayer. So this issue really, really uh, stands upon the fact that Excalibur is the guardians of the main portal, the main Krakoan gate that leads to other world and the various uh, re uh, dimensions, realities, branches of other world that uh, that exist in that, uh, you know, in that dimension. And so we immediately find we meet we get immediately caught up on some of the recent events on the first page as part of uh, Captain Britain, Betsy Braddock's um, uh basic basic recall of of the last several issues but we find out that in fact dr victor von doom has uh come a calling to try to get access to his uh ex-girlfriend that being morgan lefay uh, his ex-girlfriend's stuff uh that is in other world and uh he needs passage and the only way he can do it is with uh, the aid of the mutants and he has a pretty uh, annoying way to try to get that access but he's talked out of it by the team of Excalibur and Excalibur walks him into other world and hijinks ensue yeah which you know Doom is in a couple of different places because apparently he is still out in space somewhere or um, this, so this could very well be a Doom bot um, we don't know. It doesn't really matter because we know uh, Doom is with the Guardians of the Galaxy out in space 
at some point this could very well be before or after that we also don't know that either again it doesn't really matter but yeah doom is being doom in this in this situation <laughs> you know being all magnanimous and and whatnot and you know just like i do what i want and you kind of forget that it's like well he seemed to have had a plan to get there uh to get to the other world himself because you forget like yeah he has a country and his country has mutants, which we have seen established before in that last um, X Men FS uh, miniseries. Um, if, if, if anybody who would be be on his level, how, where did he get the kid from? But there you go. Uh, but that being said, yeah, hijinks shoe, and apparently, um, uh, I guess there's going to be a thing going forward because because Morgan Le Fay is involved and uh, uh, her son Mordred. Or Arthur's son, Mordred, well, whatever. Mordred's going to be involved, and apparently there's a there's a connotation that uh, comes up in the in the course of this issue that's probably going to come up in, in next issues, having to do yes. with that. A definite retcon. Yes, exactly. As I say, a in my definite notes. retcon. Mm-hmm. So we will see how that plays out. All right, moving on. This issue also has the uh, September 11th tribute at the back of it mm-hmm. uh, moving on I think the last thing I have is X-Force number 23 it's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Martin Cocolo colors by Guru EFX and letters by our Python VCs Joe Caramania so uh, the story in X-Force has been following a couple of paths, specifically that of Mikhail Rasputin, uh, the brother of Peter Rasputin, and his and, and Mikhail's efforts to um, uh, gain power in Mother Russia. And he has proven to be quite the uh, political maneuverer. You know, he's quite um, adept at playing uh, the political game in Russia. And uh, that uh, comes to some fruition here in this issue. We also find that the, um, that the, uh, that the Zeno group um, and, and the man with the peacock tattoo are, you know, some of their uh, efforts have also come to a level of fruition here as the beast uh as part of some inner monologuing describes, you know, some of what the fans are thinking and it's kind of a meta commentary, but also we have the beast definitely just doing very, uh, let's just say very beast like things in the sense that the beast that we know, especially post Hox Pox and even all new, I was about to say even all new, going back to all new X-Men, uh, how that particular, uh, how this particular version of Blue Fur Beast has, uh, has been portrayed. Uh, he basically, uh, you know, does that and gets caught and gets, uh, bit very much in his fanny. Um, yes. Uh, if anyone knows of the movie Inner Space, uh, there's a little bit of that going on. Oh, you read this too? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Um, but also, yeah, I, I, I also, yeah, the, the inner monologue that he had in the beginning, I also was like, yes, I agree. Matter of fact, I would rather have uh, X-Men animated series Beast back, <laughs> which some of that actually kind of, 
if you think about it, they did kind of play a little bit of that, you know, because he did end up start quoting something like right after that monologue. So I felt like they was kind of evoking the spirit of that, but he's still doing current beast stuff and it's still stupid. And it kind of like uh, HS7 said, bit him in the butt or bit him in the ear. <laughs> no, but more literally. Yes. They put things in his ear. Um, if you are a Wrath of Khan aficionado, you know what that reference is. Khan! Exactly. So is that for, for you or you? Yeah, that is it for me. That is my last book. And just as a quick reminder, this book, X-Force 23, also has the 9-11 tribute at the back of it. Indeed, indeed. I don't know why I muted myself just then. That was dumb. All right, so to, to run this down very quickly, like, um, well, I'm also attempting to get the books, I mean, the covers. So apologies there, folks. Avengers, take on number two, or take on Avengers number two, I guess, is the... the um, the actual title written by Jim Zub, uh, art by Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So this is basically the the uh, miniseries that uh, uh, is along with the new tour line that they have. Unlike the the, the Mech Strike ones that ends up having a tour line a little bit later. Um, but this is basically like the other registrar of uh, Tech Race Skull. This is basically almost a manga inspired story. Um, actually, you can you can safely say that it is. And also, as I say in my notes, feels like a part of the plot of a GI Joe five parter. Um, because uh, I believe they said something about something splitter. Uh, well, basically the uh, the the. Um, the uh, the power source. I don't want to call, call it the, the the ex machina, but whatever. Uh, the 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 source of power that uh, Red Skull uses. The Avengers ends up using to power their new mech suits. Um. Uh. And now there is a hunt for more of this stuff because apparently it is a limited resource and uh, you know, can only be gathered up in certain spots. Uh, but both sides are, you know, are on the hunt to do that. And Red Skull sends uh, a couple of, uh, another, another toy to, uh, to, against the Avengers, uh, while not necessarily while Tony, uh, explains the toys or the, the suits, but there is an explanation of the toy suits, um, therein before there's another couple of, uh, conversations or before there is another confrontation. And this is all taking place in Japan, so again, manga inspired. Also, uh, even in the styling of the um, the art, so they're 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 not shying away from the, uh, evoking that. Um, but yeah, but there's a no, another new uh, toy line coming on that has to do with a, a, a classic Avengers villain whose uh, sibling is not in the the lineup. So go figure on that one. Anyway, uh, next up, Savage Avengers number twenty four, folks. This is still going on. Maybe not for long. We will see. But we've said also said that bef- before. So, who who even knows at this point? Um, but this one seems closer. As I told Agent Seventy before the show, this one seems closer to an ending. At the very least, ending of the 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 um uh, of the arc, if if not the whole thing. Uh, but anyway, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zerker, uh, color artist Java Tartaglia. And letters VC Tra- VCs uh, Travis Lanham. Uh, so Colin Goth 
Gath comes to New York, basically, with a floating, um, you know, with a, a, a floating city, you know, that old chestnut. Uh, Doctor Strange calls in some reinforcements of, of some people we have seen in this, in this book in the past, including some actual Avengers. Um, <laughs> Cap Shield takes another, uh, takes another, um, takes another hit, just like it did in the Avengers Tech On, but in a minor way, which I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't mention that, but it, you know, you know what it happens to, to Cap's shield when uh, met with a superior force. Kind of happens here. Um, Dr. Doom, Dr. Doom also comes and brings his own squad, and there's a whole big-ass fight that doesn't seem to go the hero's way uh, in the end, but the saving grace comes in the form of the person who this book or may be coming in the, the uh, form of the the uh, the person that this book is being centered around and I'll leave it at that. And apparently there's some time jumping in here and some, some things that happen in here. That's like, huh? I, we don't know if this is an actual future that happens, but, um, it's, I, I suspect very seriously that it is not because it's about to be, uh, because there's a, some time issues. There is a, um, let's just say someone shows up in the end that is closely related to time. Uh, that will probably end up uh, killing all of this. Uh, Defenders, number two, is my next book. Oh, shoot. Nope. Here we go. Uh, writer, Al Ewing. Uh, artist, Javier Rodriguez. Letters by VCs, Joe Caramagna. Um, basically... The team ends up going, I guess, back in time to the sixth cosmos or the sixth, uh, yeah, the sixth cosmos, basically before, I guess, before uh, our cosmos was uh, formed again. And we get, go to Ta um, and basically meet Galactus's, Galactus's mother, uh, Baby C, Baby Galactus. And apparently there was a Galactus before Galactus uh, in the form of uh, an Omni- Omnitrix, I guess what they're called. I can't remember what it was. Um, which, you know, at first you would think is led a certain character in the uh, book that is associated with Galactus to have roadie like MCU thoughts, you know. Um, but apparently it was not the case. Uh, an, another thing that, and uh, this is a life, uh, um, this is an Ewing thing. The Life Bringer apparently has more history than what we saw when uh, Galactus got rebranded uh, a, a while back, which I wish they had kept. Uh, and of course, being that this new, this uh, this old Galactus, I mean this old uh, other Galactus has a has a herald, and there's a fight, and some things end up happening, and at the end of the story. Um, folks end up traveling again don't know where this um i think this is a miniseries uh but i'm not sure i think it is i'm not entirely sure i have to look but regardless uh i guess it's going somewhere we will see my next book is black manta number one it is a six series uh six issue limited series um Based on Black Manta. It is being written by Chuck Brown of uh, Bitterroot fame. Also of South Carolina fame. Shout out to Chuck Brown. Hometown. 
Uh, I think he actually is from here in Columbia. I'm not sure. Um, uh, art by Valentin Delandro of, uh, I believe, Bitch Planet fame. Uh, colors, uh, Marissa Louise. And letters by Clayton Powell. Not with VC at this point. Uh, at this, uh, in, in this uh, issue. Uh, so basically, uh, we get the... So a couple of things are going on here. Manta is trying to figure out why this magic space rock metal is killing him uh, and while he's trying to keep his operations running but apparently there are other people who want this rock uh, from what I've seen uh, from the from what I've seen written about this book um, and there's a new another new crew that is coming into play that looks like it's going to um, may have a run in with Manta because they are all after the same thing. But we also meet this. Actually, I don't even know if we meet them because I think this is coming off of that Aquaman 80th anniversary uh, special. So some of this might have been dealt with or at least hinted at coming out of that. I didn't get a chance to read that. I, I, I know this book is kind of stemming from that. Uh, but like I said, there are other people that are off that after that rock. And at the end of this, there is someone whom I'm not familiar with, but Manta might be that is coming into play that might be either friend or foe to him. Um, but so far, I'm enjoying it, and it seems, seems to be alright. Like He's still Black Manta, he's still doing his thing, uh, being being a pirate, I guess. So, uh, Next up... Just a quick note. Yes. Just a quick note. Defenders is a five issue limited series. Thank you. Yeah, I kind of figured it, it was in, but I wasn't sure if that was the case or not. So thank you. Uh, Star Trek The Mirror War Zero. Written by Scott and David Tipton. Uh, art by Carlos Nieto. Colors by DC Alonzo. Excuse me. And letters by Neil Uwataki. Uh, so this is taking up after I can't remember whatever that last mirror um um uh mirror universe um uh uh miniseries was cuz it's been a while actually since then but we knew something else was coming uh and it was it was this was also something that was being uh talked about this mirror whole mirror war thing to to be coming up so I knew it was coming at some point but after the events of that last one where the Mirror Universe uh, Enterprise crew, uh, well, they weren't the Enterprise crew then, tried to come and steal the Prime version of the, the Prime Universe version of the, in the Enterprise. Didn't work. Uh, and got sent packing back to the uni- Mirror Universe. They ended up living, leaving uh, Mirror Barkula behind, which apparently is the crux of how this Mirror War starts for some strange reason. Uh, but near the end of that that last miniseries, I believe they ended up getting their universe's version of the the. They ended up stealing their version, their universe's version of the Enterprise. Um, but you know, Mirror Universe uh, Earth is not in the same place as the Federation and the Prime Universe, so they're pretty much back up against the wall and backed into their own corner of the universe, and they're trying to fight for survival, much less um, you know trying to take over other territories. So that being said, mirror universe crew gets called back to earth and there's some things that happen. And we come to find out that, um, they find out that mirror Barkley is still over in the prime universe. So they go and extract him, which apparently is going to be the thing that causes 
this whole mirror war thing because they pretty much at the end of it, it was like, yep, yeah, we went over there, got him, came back, and now he's going to tell us everything. And they didn't even really go through the motions. So I assume the Prime Universe uh, crew is going to retaliate or they're going to end up going up against each other again. Because like I said, uh, the last time it was one way. And at the end of this, it was like, oh, yeah, we went in, we fought some folks because we had element of surprise. And then we got Barkley back and now we're about to do some stuff. So wherever this goes in the next issue or in the, the first official issue, we'll see. Uh, let's see what we have next. Ah, Masters of the Universe, Revelation number three. Which I totally forgot this book was coming out. So, uh, basically, oh wait, hold on a second. Let me get the the. Uh, da, 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 da. So the story is by Kevin Smith and Rob David. Uh, script by Tim Sheridan. Art by Mindy Lee. Color artist uh, Rico Renzi, and lettering by Darren Bennett. Um, and the crest of the story is it's a backstory for Evil Lynn. Uh, we found out last issue because I had to reread the last issue. Well, I had to actually read the last issue before coming into this one. Uh, and apparently there was a whole nation full of Skeletors. So go figure that one out. Because we got a little bit of Skeletors backstory in that last issue. This one we're getting Evil Lynn's backstory and how he how she met up with Skeletor. Uh, all under the guise of trying to get um, some secrets from this Orlax monster that, that came up in the first issue of the book. Because it, was, it pretty much gave Skeletor some visions of some stuff that uh, happened in... Eternia's past so that's pretty much that uh, and at the end of this a couple of people you would expect to show up end up showing up uh, next book is Star Wars War the Bounty Hunters number 4 yes this is still going on this kind of like um, the, the Amazing Spider-Man runs got a lot going going, going on in it uh, which to me kind of hampers it but it's still going anyway uh written by charles soul illustrated by luke ross with david messina colors by niraj manon with guru efx and letters by vc travis lanham uh the short story is uh everybody's after the the the, the body the carbonite body of han solo that's pretty much the cor- the crux of this world of bonnie hunters thing uh the crimson dawn who is a group you might know from rogue uh, not from rogue one from the han solo movie uh, is trying to make a is coming back into play and making a bigger, uh, making bigger plays in the universe at large. Uh, starting with this sale of uh, Carbonite Frozen Hand, which they acquired, and of course the the Crimson Dawn is being uh, run by Kira, who is the character from Han Solo, who has history with Han Solo, but apparently she's acting like that she doesn't really care too much about him. Um, or at this point, she's he's pretty much using them as a means to an end at this point. But regardless, um, a bunch of factors factions um, have all been put in one place. But Darth Vader came in, took uh, pretty much took possession of uh, the body, and now everybody who is looking for him, friend or foe, are trying to uh, recover Han. Or at least relieve the empire of the clutch from from relieve Han from the clutches of the empire before uh, they get back to their star destroyer. Uh, and another part of it is um, 
um, Vader is was trying to use Han to bait Luke into coming down and fighting him, but that didn't work out. There's a whole couple of things. The reason why I'm having and not necessarily an issue with the War of the Bounty Hunters, but it's kind of a thing that kind of bears it down. It's like there's a whole bunch going on. Like that whole thing I just told you was one part. The Crimson Dawn thing is another part. Like you got other people. Like you got these couple of bounty hunters that have something to do with it, and they're they got throws in it. Boba Fett's in, involved. Uh, Doctor Afra is involved somehow, but she's kind of which I'll get to that in a second. She's kind of on another part of the area doing the doing the thing, and there's a whole bunch of new characters that's been introduced. That well, a newer I guess character canon wise that are, are, are been introduced that are kind of doing things, um, uh, doing things around, and it's kind of kind of weird. But also, you know, the rebels you know and love are still kind of around doing things. Uh, and last but not least, speaking of Star Wars Doctor Afra number fourteen. Uh, which is a War of the Bounty Hunters tie-in. And yes, I said tie-in in Southern accent because I am Southern and I don't know why I did that. But the creative team is uh, writer Alyssa Wong, art by Federico Sabatini, colors by, uh, excuse me, color artist Rachelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, again, this is the, the Dr. Arthur portion where... She, Sanastaros, um, were put in jail in the Crimson Dawn's flagship where this whole auction for Han Solo's body was being held because they were there, I guess, trying to get information for the person they're working for with, whatever the case may be. And uh, Afra, who has had ties with Darth Vader, was trying to leave the situation because she didn't want Vader to find her because they did not leave on the best of terms last time they met. Um, or last time they were together, which was a, probably another volume ago of her book. Um, uh, but anyway, she and Sonosaurus was thrown into the brig. They met these other couple of new characters, uh, Just Lucky and Ariel. I don't know what their last, what their last name is. Uh, who they have history together, but I haven't been really ke- keeping up with this volume of Dr. Afford to know who these people are. Uh, but I know they've, they've definitely say in this book that like they've run into each other, or at least um, Afra has run into one of them before. And I have seen that, but I don't remember reading it. But regardless, they all escape, they get some weapons, and they end up going off. I guess they end up kind of sort of having a bond or a a tenuous uh, relationship uh, in the beginning, uh, which leads into them kind of sort of working together until the end or something. I don't remember. I barely skimmed through this book. But that is it for me. And now we can uh, go to Clicks of the Week. Just before we we get to Clicks of the Week, I wanted to mention something that came out this week that neither of us, and it doesn't seem like PCN underscore dirt or... Uh, Tim Dog ninety eight are following either that being Infinite Frontier. Mm. Oh yes, this is the last issue for for now for that for that uh, right. Yeah. So I don't know if there's a, a news story about Infinite Frontier yet, uh, but I thought it would be worth mentioning before we move on to clicks of the week. Mm-hmm. The Infinite Frontier seems to end on a note that uh, is familiar to us only because we did uh, some evergreen 
episodes during the course during the earlier course of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic in which we read and reviewed the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm -hmm. And if you recall, if you listened or watched those episodes, and we definitely recommend you go back into the archives and listen and or watch them. There is a particular character who we poke fun at for always crying. And guess who shows up in the epilogue? Oh, no. Really? It's Infinite Frontier. I've actually Number been reading, six. I've actually been reading to read this issue. I mean, to read this book, rather, because I'm kind of curious about what's going on there, because I know this is kind of the, the front stuff that's going to start off with everything to, to come in the DC Universe. Right. And I think now I'm intrigued as well. Mm-hmm. I had tried to read the first issue and and even skim the second issue. But now that all six are out, I think I can probably sit down and try to make heads or tails of yeah. what on earth, what in the what in the multiverse is going on. That's I really the best way to put on, it. Yeah, what on earth? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What in the heck? is going on on all these multiversal earths so i will and tell you i will tell you we get that, we get the crying guy back yeah you know oh God. and roddy cat knows exactly who yes, i am referring to do. and it is an interesting it, this book ends on a very interesting note so it's not enough for us to talk about in terms of even rapid fire reviews but i thought it was a very interesting development and uh you know, in what could possibly be coming as the future of uh, the DC multiverse in 2022. So this won't be touched upon until next year, but it was interesting to see this character make a distinct reappearance. So, and I feel like we fairly recently joked about this character in one way, shape or form being, being around somewhere. So that's kind of funny that the, 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 either someone heard us or they had this in the plan already going in. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, uh, I am quite interested. Well, I was probably more interested than I am now, now that I know that, that particular tidbit, there was an article this week about the multiversal Justice League that is formed during this whole uh, Infinite Frontier thing. Uh, okay. And, uh, I, but I didn't. But I didn't um, pull it. I mean, I had it somewhere, but I didn't pull it to put in the, the, the notes. So that was the only one I, that I saw. Um. Uh, that being the case, I think the only other book that I was kind of curious about reading was, and I still want to catch up with this because I know Agent Seven has been wanting me to catch up with this, was the Green Lantern book because I saw the cover for this this week and I'm kind of curious. This yes, I flipped through that and I flipped through uh, the Dang Green Lantern cool. Annual. Yeah, that one too. Also, because they are, yeah, they're definitely making some changes to the the status quo of the Green Lantern Corps. Well, yeah, and that particular, especially with the annual, from what I read about that one, that came out of Future State. Because I do, yeah, I do remember that part, and I don't know, like I said, I, I, from what I read of the the them the the. The, the flavor text talking about that annual, I'm like yeah, I know where that comes from because I remember reading the the green annual, the green green and uh, green lantern uh, future state book. So I do know where that one's coming out of. But yeah, this this whole uh, uh, green lantern book that um, I'm curious about, I'm gonna have to check out too. So that'll probably be soon, along with uh, Infinite Frontier. That being the case, folks, uh, clicks of the week, clicks of the week. 
Uh, we do have one from PC underscore Dirt, which is uh, Suicide Squad number seven, and I don't think he gave any particular notes about it, or did he? He did. If it's in that whole wall of text, I don't want to... Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Suicide Squad featuring Ambush Bug. Uh, yes, he breaks the fourth, fourth wall. Yes, he mentions the movie. Yes, he mentions readings and solicits for the upcoming issues, so he knows what the plan is. Yes, it's great, is what he says. Hey, Ambush Bug, that's an old character. I know, right? Been around for a while. Has, definitely. As you can see with the cover right there. Boop, boop, there you go. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if you have yours. I'm still thinking, because it's kind of a, 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 a tough week to really pick out some... You know, I, I, I didn't really have anything that stood out, necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you that I, I did, in fact, like some of the... the the banter in Shang-Chi number four. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the, the inner monologue of uh, beast and X-Force 23. Um, I like that the champions actually came together in champions number nine. Mm. And I kind of dug uh, amazing Spider-Man 73 for the retcon of sins past. Well, okay. I'm, I was with you up until then. <laughs> well, because you weren't familiar with the sins past story. So it was all a bunch of gibberish to you when they were like, who is this and why is, you know, and, and what, what storyline are they referencing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but I think what I'm going to do is go with Champions number nine because it felt like the team finally found its footing. Uh, even though, like we said, or like we were joking earlier, that the, the extended champions family, the extended champions roster, basically just made some um, glorified cameos. They still, you know, they still had an effect, and they still are showed off in the celebration, the mini celebration that is uh, that is held in, in in the pages of this issue. So I am going to go with champions number nine, and we really need a Viv Vision. Marvel Legends, people. Come on, Hasbro. Come through. You really do. And if you get one in that fit that she's in, well, I mean, not specifically, obviously, get, you know, regular stuff, but if you get one in that fit that she's in, uh, in in this story, that would also be good. I feel like there's going to be somebody that's, that's going to cosplay that um, at some point. Um, I think for myself, I did in kind of sort of like the. I can't say I'm that I'm. I know Black Manta from animated versions, so you know I never really read too much uh, Aquaman coming up. Um, right. You know, but I kind of enjoyed uh, what this is presenting. Even though there's some stuff I'm like, okay, and some of the stuff must be must be some new things, and then, you know, it's just kind of a self-contained uh, miniseries. But uh, that um, Masters of the Universe Revelations number three kind of had some interesting, like some interesting backstory. Like if you've watched that first part of uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation, uh, especially in relation to Evil Lynn, this issue may give you a little bit more on uh, on that. Which obviously this is tied to that because this is you know um, related, um, directly related. But not um, 
you know, I think this is like before that, uh, before that goes down. Uh, but also, you know, this is like gives a little bit more interesting, a little bit of backstory to uh, Evelyn and I guess it's Skeletor. They kind of weirdly makes you sympathize with both of those characters in a way, if you, especially if you read the last issue, even though you kind of wouldn't want to do it, normally wouldn't want to do that because, like, hey, Skeletor's a bad guy. But, of course, they kind of humanize him a little bit like they like the things to do. But anyway, uh, that Shang-Chi You mean, like, also... during this Christmas special? Christmas special? Yeah, wasn't there a He-Man Christmas special where Skeletor had to make nice with some kids? Oh, I, oh from the, the old animated Back one? Day, yeah. yeah. Yes, there was. I totally forgot about that. I believe it was He and She-Ra. Yes, I believe that was the case. Oh wow! I totally forgot about that. And it's probably on uh, Netflix with the rest of the stuff. So go go seek that out if you so desire. Oh, speaking of things on Netflix, while I am um, think, uh, thinking of stuff, Star Wars Droids is now on Netflix. So if you've been watching this program for any length of time, especially within the last uh, seven eight months, you know good and well that I've been talking about that need, needed to put Star Wars Droids, the old eighties cartoon series on Disney Plus and they finally did it at some point because it's all there with theme song and, and all and I think both seasons. Uh so you can go check that out. Check it out in all its glory. Uh I watched a couple of episodes and now obviously you know had to had to listen out for the uh, theme song even though you can see that on, on YouTube at any given time of the day. But still. I like that show oh, so, more. Wait, so you're saying it's on Disney Plus because you started Disney off Plus. saying it was on Netflix. So Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, because I was thinking of Masters of the Universe. But um, yes, yeah, it's on Disney Plus in uh, in its entirety. So now, because I also said when they put the Ewoks on there, it's like, why not the droids cartoon was on there? Well, now it is. It's the slow rollout. You know, it's yeah. the slow play. They're, they're playing the slow play, the long game. Yeah, well, they should have put that out before before the Ewoks one. But regardless, uh, uh, and they, you know, back in the day, those two were kind of put together in a half hour or maybe even an hour. And I think it was at some point uh, show. Um, so yeah, but it's there now. So now you can see that it's not canon, but still, it's 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 an interesting watch for if you, if you're of a certain vintage or just want to see what was the whole shenanigans about. But anyway. Uh, that being said, I think I'm actually probably going to go with uh, Agent 70 and his champions uh, pick. Because I didn't actually enjoy the way that ended up. Um, and the, like I said, the team coming together and, and it all kind of, not necessarily nicely and neatly wrapped up, but even though it kind of did, even though there's like a still a thing still on the table. Um, but at least the, the main stuff that they've been dealing with in this arc is uh dealt with that being said we can go on to the news but first oh an ad read sorry that's right an ad read which i need to pull up because uh for the first time in a long time i had not pulled them up and i took uh, right away so i am going to pull up our first ad read of the night and it is for Chugga, 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 waiting for the script to load, waiting for the script to load, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for the script to load. Our first ad is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to Torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? 
Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel any time. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into the news. I could very much use a stiffer drink than what I have right now, but shout out to coffee because it is putting in work right now. Uh, now we go into uh, the cinematic news. Starting off with uh, Castlevania producer sues over Netflix's Richter Belmont spinoff. Uh, Adi Shankar, who served as a showrunner and producer for Netflix's popular Castlevania animated series, is now suing the show's production company and, uh, and executive producer Kevin Cold, it sounds like a DC villain, uh, for allegedly excluding him from the show's upcoming spinoff series and cutting him out of the show's profits. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Shankar filed a complaint on August 18th at the Los Angeles Superior Court, which alleges that Cold and his production company, quote-unquote, concocted a scheme to expand the Castlevania universe while simultaneously cutting Shankar out of the agreement the parties made and boosting Cold's profits, unquote. Uh, according to Shankar, uh, he and Cold had a verbal agreement that Shankar would be given creative approval over any der- uh, derivative works or spinoffs from the Castlevania series and would also be entitled to 33% of the back-end compensation. This, folks, is why you have a um, written agreement and not verbal. Or if you're going to have a verbal agreement, uh, which I guess is not admissible in court, uh, you know, s- s- some sort of... Uh, some sort of record of it. Anyway, um, I'm sure as our resident lawyer would probably agree. Mm. Uh, Shankar says that the new spinoff was made without his approval or involvement. Uh, and yeah, we'll, I guess some folks will see where that goes. Next up. Next up, uh, Supergirl's latest episode finally showed... Kara returning from the Phantom Zone. However, as the Girl of Steel adjusts back to life in National City, she finds out some surprising news at her day job. Okay. So, yeah, this is, uh, you know, bottom line is that Catco can't beat Iris West's beloved reporting at The Citizen. Okay, so this is uh, some spoiler stuff for uh, Supergirl Season 6, Episode 8. Right. Apparently, this article is like, well, this is like one of the first time that that that, that um, inter-show properties have been talked about on other shows, I guess, because I think before, and I'm not sure if they did a, I know they did a crisis recently, so I'm not sure if all of the, the worlds are like one world now. So I don't know if they all of these are taking. I'm assuming all of these are taking place in the same universe now. 
as opposed to when because Supergirl was in a different universe than the Flash and the, some of the other verses up until I think that last cross uh, that last uh, crossover crisis situation. So okay, yeah. So that's that's uh, that, that's kind of the other thing in this that was there, and the fact that I guess Catcores has new management because apparently, yeah, whatever's happened been going on in Supergirl. Speaking of Supergirl, uh, Supergirl's Nia or Naya, I guess is Nia, teams up with an un- unlikely ally to find spoiler in an exclusive clip. Um, like Agent Seventy said, um, well, this was last week's episode. Um, let's see. Fans were saw just how heartbroken Nia still is. Although Lena Luthor attempted to console her, Nia uh, attempted to find her find a way to reach her mother. Um, and uh, ahead of uh, the next ish- episodes, uh, I guess it might have happened by now. I'm not sure. Uh, Nia focused episode Dreamweaver. The CW shared an exclusive clip with CBR from Supergirl's upcoming episode that teases just what kind of journey uh, that is. Uh, let's see Nia will go on to find her mother and who will be an unlikely ally to help her and um, I, I guess there's some spoilers in there because I don't know you know, don't know much about what's going on in that show at this point moving right along oh you muted my apologies Aquaman's Jason Momoa debuted a new dark suit for his DCEU sequel. Uh, He did this via social media uh, on his Instagram account. Um, Let's see here. So he's ditching the orange and green, and the suit seems to be taking a page out of the playbook of Superman from Zack Snyder's Justice League with a darker aesthetic. So uh, no longer is he going to be wearing the comic-accurate uh, costume that we saw at the tail end of the uh, first Aquaman movie, but instead uh, something that looks a little bit more like his, uh, his foe in this upcoming movie, who is going to be uh, Black Manta. Or probably at the very least, at some point in the movie, this is going to change into this, I guess. We don't know which, which one is the case. Right. And bear in mind that in Aquaman's past, he has donned a blue, like a like a, a like a, a two tone blue costume right. at one point, and maybe that is what this is uh, supposed to be reminiscent of. Ultimately, they need to sell action figures, so they have to have different costumes, people. Right, and I guess a chance to show off Jason Momoa and another slightly thin skin type suit is benefit for them. Right. Some kind of yeah, story. I was about to say the sequel is still scheduled to release on December sixteenth, two thousand twenty-two. So yes. we've got quite a while to go before this. Indeed, uh, the Suicide Squad James Gunn teased Blu-ray content, so we know the Blu-ray is coming out. Uh, and uh, apparently, this article, um, uh, I guess, someone on Twitter asked him uh, about uh, give about giving you a release date for the Blu-ray. Uh, which I feel like this is a, a plant. I don't know why, because sometimes, you know, there are people on Twitter who be like, oh, da, da, gush, 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 and when is this happening, da, 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 but whatever. Um, but James Gunn, as you can see from the from the Twitter uh, response, 
Uh, said it won't be that long. There's a lot of cool extras and deleted scenes and commentary, which you would expect to find in a in a Blu-ray release. And I believe does it give the date? I don't know if it does actually of when it's coming. I know it's soon. Um, he's not he's not sure of the exact release date, but I feel like I've seen something somewhere else to where there was a release date for this. Um, but he basically says, if I paid attention to my emails, I'd have an answer for you, but I'm too busy meeting, blah, 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 blah. And he said what I just told you about the cool extras and deleted scenes. So we know that's coming, but we don't have an exact data for that. And I believe it is off of HBO Max at this point now, because I know it was swiftly coming off of there. So I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think it just came off this past weekend. Yeah. But next up. Next up, uh, Aquaman. More Aquaman news. New Aquaman, King of Atlanta's animated series synopsis has surfaced. So HBO Max uh, released a new synopsis for Aquaman, King of Atlantis, which teases the world of James Wan's upcoming animated series. The three-part miniseries features Arthur Curry beginning his first day of ruling the underwater kingdom. He'll be joined by Mira and Volko as they attempt to protect Atlantis from service dwellers, ancient evils from the deep, and Ocean Master, a.k.a. uh, Aquaman's evil brother, Orm. Uh, There's a rather lengthy synopsis here, but the first look at the series came in February as part of a trailer for Warner Brothers' upcoming animation slate. It showed off the unique style of the show, which will see the green-haired, the green-haired Aquaman and the red-haired Mira taking decisive action as they seek to protect their home. Okay. Yeah, this is a decidedly different art style. Um, I can't remember who's... who's. Oh, Thundercatch Roar. Oh, wait, no. No, 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 no. That's somebody in the thing. Regardless, this art style is, is very different from what we're, what we're used to, and I can't. I know it looks like another series that I've seen, that I, but I can't remember uh, whose it is. Yeah, and if you saw the... Um, if you're looking at the, the video version, you can see the image that they have on here, and it is indeed a, a green-haired Aquaman weird anywho uh injustice trailer turns into turns the possible popular dc video game into an epic r-rated animated movie so we knew uh for a minute that there was going to be an animated movie of the video game uh injustice gods among us and there is a now a trailer for said movie that is coming out relatively shortly actually i believe it is coming out in october uh, yes, October 19th, and it's going to be, uh, oops, what just happened? Ha-ha! Yeah, uh, it's coming to, uh, Blu-ray on October 19th, and is it going to be on HBO Max? I don't know, but, like, no, I guess it's just going straight to video. So, yeah, um, if you know the story of Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us, this is pretty much the, the beginning of that. Um, so it'll be if the the trailer is actually looking not bad. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this, even though I have played the game and I know the story, and I've actually kind of started reading some of the book um, therein. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the, the the animated version looks like. Hopefully, they don't do. Um, they don't make any decisions like they did with um, uh, that one Batman movie. <laughs> um, 
you know, we don't need another Barbara Gordon and Batman hookup or anything like that that had nothing to do with the story. Anyway, mm. next up. Next up, so the, a new Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat movie canonizes Ultra Instinct Shaggy. So Warner Brothers Animation's new animated Mortal Kombat movie, Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, dropped uh, last Tuesday, delivering a familiar bloody tale of the Battle of Earthrealm's warriors against the villains of Outworld. It also quickly confirms the canonical existence of, quote, Ultra Instinct Shaggy, the Dragon Ball-inspired Scooby-Doo meme of yore, uh, a.k.a. 2017. Yeah, I remember when this. I never knew where that. Well, I knew never knew fully where that came from, but I was. I remember that being a thing. And uh, if you watch this little trailer bit, it's to basically the opening animation um, for the movie, which apparently um, they did a similar one for the previous Mortal Kombat movie, but instead of. Uh, but it's basically Scorpion doing the same thing Shaggy just did is doing to Scorpion. To Daffy Duck, so Scorpion did kind of just pull them through the logo, you know, get over here style. Well, actually by the neck, not necessarily with this with this thing. So it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, next up though, uh, Bazoop, uh, Blade, uh, the reporter director confirmed that he's joining the MCU. Uh, Marvel takes big swings. Where have we heard that before? Uh, Blade reported director Basim Tariq has confirmed that he is joining the MCU to helm Marvel's uh, upcoming Blade reboot starring, starring uh, Mahershala Ali. It was previously reported that Marvel attacked uh, Tariq, who is best known for directing 2020's uh, Mogul Mowgli, um, to helm the, the vampire superhero film. Though it is also said that no deal has been finalized. Uh, Marvel still hadn't confirmed the news, but Tariq said recently uh, discussed his move into the MCU during an episode of the Playlist podcast. So, um, we don't know whether it's official or not, but I guess he's saying it is, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. Next up. All right, next up in Spoiler news for uh, in spoiler territory news for uh, the Shang-Chi and Legends of the Ten Rings movie. Shang-Chi producer confirms the Incredible Hulk star plays the Abomination. So producer Jonathan Schwartz confirmed that Tim Roth is reprising his role as Abomination in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And that is the news. You saw Abomination appear in the trailer. He does appear a little bit more in the movie. But uh, that is interesting to see that Roth did some vocalization for uh, the movie as uh, Jonathan Schwartz said to the direct. He certainly was part of that process. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this had been speculated with knowing that the abomination was going to show up, but I guess this is now the confirmation of said of that. So, cool. Uh, speaking of Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi breaks uh, box office record with 71 million Labor Day opening weekend, um, which I'm pretty sure at this point is probably a little bit more than that, obviously. Um, Marvel Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings punched through a box office record with a massive 71.4 million domestic opening weekend. Again, domestic, not not international. I'm sure we will get those figures after a while. 
or if they don't have it in this article. Uh, the news comes by way of Variety, which reports that the latest uh, MCU film had the second best pandemic era domestic opening weekend. Uh, at 71.4 million box office, Bow comes in just behind Black Widow's 80.3 million opening weekend debut and just above X9's 70 million opening haul. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and take this next one since this is kind of sort of related. Um, wait, wait, it says here, oh, Shang-Chi also broke a record held by 2007's Halloween for overdecorate. Um, so Halloween previously held the record for best Labor Day opening weekend, ranking in 30.6 million. So, okay. Uh, but the next article is Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi uh, isn't being pirated, is, is being pirated less than Black Widow so far and could be a big win for the mu- uh, movie theaters, according to Business Insider. So apparently, because of it, well, because of the fact that, um, or at least, book, at least what this article is suggesting, because of the fact that it just came out in movie theaters and not on Disney Plus, um, like uh, Black Widow did, uh, that helped it not to be pirated as much as Black Widow is did as a suggestion. In fact, I think this article has a. A top five from yeah. Uh, a top five from this past Monday, I guess. Uh, and um, top five pirated movies, and uh, Shang Chi is number five on that list, followed by Suicide Squad and this other movie, which is other article uh, talked about, which I won't go into too far, but uh, is actually a fairly decent movie. The the protege. Um, and if you are uh, certain folks that have been possibly looking for Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings in a let's say less than legal meaning yeah you probably won't find too many copies or good copies there I have it on authority (laughs) because of the the fact that it's not being pirated as much as uh, other, other such movies there we go next up Next up, Marvel officially named Simu Liu's Shang-Chi as a new Avenger. So, um, in an opening day TV spot for Shang-Chi, quote, Tonight we give thanks to all those who came before us, who made us who we are today, says Ying Nan, uh, played by Michelle Yeoh, over footage of Earth's mightiest heroes, Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, and the mighty Thor. At the end of it, the newest Avenger stands ready for action as Marvel Shang-Chi is now playing only in theaters. Okay. Yeah. Which, I, I shouldn't <clears throat> bring this up, but I'm going to anyway. The, that Proje movie is uh, speaking of uh, the, the other article about the the pirating of Shang Chi's movie, uh, another article from another site was suggesting that that protege movie was being starred by Michelle Yeoh, who has nothing to do with that movie, uh, but Maggie Q uh, uh, is also is is the one starring in it uh, alongside Michael Keaton. Again, halfway de- pretty good, decent movie from what I saw, and Samuel L. Jackson is also in that movie, so it's actually pretty good. Um, it's actually not bad. Anyway, next up, Marvel's What If Season 2 will have a Black Widow movie uh, episode. So, uh, 
apparently, well, we already know there's going to be a Marvel, uh, there's going to be a What If Season 2, uh, but Season 2 will feature an episode based on Black Widow movie. Uh, the show's production designer has confirmed this fact. Debuting as an MCU first fully animated project, I wonder, well, we know what What If is. Why do y'all do that? Um, but yeah, like I said, we, Season 2 was already confirmed, and it looks like... Uh, yeah, whatever this black theme, Black Widow themed episode is, it's going to be a thing. Uh, so we don't know anything about it outside of that, apparently. Uh, and it was looks like there was an interview with a production designer who teased that the woman with the red hair is the focus of one of the episodes. So it could be Medusa, because she does have red. It could be Mary Jane, but no, yeah. probably, but probably Black Widow. Next up. Next up, um, Howard University honored alumnus Chadwick Boseman by renaming the university's College of Fine Arts after the late actor. The historically black university shared a time-lapse video that showed the installation of Boseman's name on the school building according to Deadline. The end of the video reveals that the building now bears the name Chadwick A. Boseman College of Fine Arts. Um... Howard first revealed that it would be renaming its College of Fine Arts after Chadwick Boseman back in May. The um, the university also shared at that time that Walt Disney Ch- Company's executive chairman Bob Iger would create an endowment named after Boseman and raise money to build a, f- a new arts facility on the Howard campus, which is located in Washington, D.C. Good for them. Yeah, indeed. Shout out to HBCUs, and I know there are a bunch of people out there just shouting out how we, how, in whatever way, shape, or fashion. Um, what is it? I think it's H-U? Yep, H-U. Yeah, I didn't want to do it, but yes. <laughs> I was about to say, I didn't go there, obviously, I so, didn't either, but, but I know that that's how they shout themselves out. Indeed, indeed. Um, uh, so, yeah, and if you're watching the video version, you can see the, the thumbnail for the YouTube video where, the, where uh, Howard University is showing this out. So, cool. Um, next up. The WWE's New Day must escape The Undertaker in Netflix's interactive holiday special. Now, I know you're asking yourself, Roddy, why the hell is any kind of wrestling news uh, or any wrestling-related news in here? We've done this at time. And plus, I think The New Day does have a comic book out. So, I am not don't have to necessarily justify my actions. And I don't even like wrestling, so this tells you something. The fact that um, that that I that the the fact that this in here is telling you something. But anyway, Escape the Undertaker, uh, an interactive Halloween special starring the WWE's New Day and the Undertaker, is coming to Netflix on October fifth. Uh, according to Netflix, viewers will get uh, to decide the fate of the New Day's uh, Big E, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston as they attempt to survive the wrath of the Undertaker. Who's looking mad old? But anyway, um, at his um, wait, I mean, granted he is, uh, at his mansion, which has been transformed into an extreme uh, haunted house, packed to the brim with supernatural challenges to usher in the spooky season. Uh, the special promises to deliver some tricks or treats, uh, or should we say beats, just in time for Halloween. Um, and uh, Netflix released some first look images for Escape from the Undertaker. 
which continues to the streaming service. So yeah, this is one of those interactive um, uh, Netflix things, like kind of like that uh, Black Mirror episode, or if if some people have seen it, that um, that Minecraft thing, and a couple other interactive uh, things that they have done. I think most people probably know that one Black Mirror uh, episode at this point, which I still have never seen, but it is what it is. So there you go. If you're a fan of uh, the New Day, WWE, or anything else like, I guess you'll check this out on October 5th. Next. Next up, Funimation announced on Tuesday that it it will begin streaming the following Lupin 3 anime and the God Mars anime from TMS Entertainment on September 14th. So it's Lupin the third part one, part two, part three, the third part five, the third 50th anniversary special, the third the woman called Fujiko Mine and God Mars. The anime will stream in the United States and Canada. Okay. Yeah, you ever watch any Lupin? Well, I know you're still kind of no. starting your yeah. yeah. No, I am. St- I am still close to the beginning. I'm. 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 I'm not at the beginning of my anime journey, but I'm definitely closer to the beginning. Yes. So, um, first episode of Pokemon Evolution is now available online for free. Uh, Pokemon Evolutions has officially premiered with the first episode now available for free streaming. Uh, while the next uh, season of the original Pokemon anime will air exclusively on Netflix, Pokemon fan- fans who didn't want to sign up for a subscription will be able to watch the new Pokemon Evolutions anime for free on either the official Pokemon YouTube channel or via the Pokemon TV app for iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, each episode of the new series will revisit key story moments, characters, and Pokemon from one of the past eight generations of the video game series, which I could have sworn this was something that was already out, uh, but apparently not. So, because I feel like I've seen this before uh, sometime last year, but maybe that was something different. Who knows? But regardless, it's out there. It's for free, and Pokemon fans delight. Go for it. Next up. Next up, Crapopolis. Um, a new animated comedy that centers on a flawed family of humans, gods, and monsters that tries to run one of the world's first cities without killing each other. It sets a premiere in 2022 on Fox. Um, Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, uh, who is uh, great, Richard Ayod. Uh, Matt Berry, Pam Murphy, and Duncan Trussell have joined the voice cast of Fox's 2022 animated series from Dan Harmon, again called Crapopolis. Okay. I believe it's Ayode, and yeah, both Richard... Oh, Ayode? Yeah. Um, Okay. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, So, yeah, people know uh, Richard Ayode and Matt Berry because they were both on IT Crowd, which is a great show. You should definitely check it out, and I think it's still on uh, um, Netflix, a British show. Um and yeah, this is another Dan Harmon joint. So Rick and Morty fans, I guess, will probably flock to this. Sadly, and probably be some of the same kind of assholes for this one. I don't know. Anyway, okay, that's me speculating. Um, you know what? You take this one. Why? 
I'll do it. Yeah. To celebrate the 20th anniversary of Peter Jackson's first Lord of the Rings films, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment is collecting all six Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies in 4K Ultra HD with the Middle Earth Ultimate Collector's Edition. The 31 disc <laughs> set. 31. That's crazy. Disc set. Features the theatrical and extended cuts of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, and The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, all in 4K Ultra HD with HDR. Everything comes packed in a puzzle box with a 64-page booklet, art cards, and more. Not only does this announcement coincide with the 20th anniversary of The Fellowship of the Ring, but also the recent news that Amazon Studios' Lord of the Rings series will premiere on September 2nd, 2022. The Middle-Earth Ultimate Collector's Edition set goes on sale October 26th of this year and retails for $249.99. Now, I I, I, I just have to do this because I know he's a big Lord of the Rings fan. I mean, I am two to a point, but basically for the movies. I guess it's the same for you. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. I don't want to speak for you, but... Um, well, I've read both The Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings, but I didn't read them as a child. I read them in preparation for watching the movies. Oh, well, see, I read the, I read Fellowship of the Rings uh, uh, in high school. Well, let me phrase that. I skimmed through Fellowship of the Rings in high school. <laughs> Uh, for for a reading assignment, but yeah, I never really got through the, that or the Hobbit, even though I think I still have a copy of that one, uh, and I still have not seen those Hobbit, Hobbit movies actually. Um, I mean, they're okay; they're not great. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still you know it, it's still something that people wanted to see for you know the, the you know for for forever, and you know it needed Peter Jackson's touch to get that you know to get that done. Now, here's the question. Would you get this, even though I'm pretty sure you probably already have a workable copy? I, I have. Yeah, I was about to say, I have, I have DVDs of the Same. Lord of the Rings movies, and that's what I need. I don't necessarily need the Hobbit movies on physical media. And, and those digital and those DVDs um, are still, I mean, those are good quality because they, they did them digitally. It's not like those are going to suffer in quality, I don't think. Like, not, right. I have, but, yeah, exactly. I have them. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure I have them in Blu-ray. And DVDs. Yes. So, um, actually, I think I have, I think I have DVDs. Uh, I don't think I have the Blu-ray. And I, and I thought about that for like thirty seconds when I saw this article. I'm like, I don't really need that again. It does come with a digital code, so you can get the digital code for all thirty-one. Well, I all of the movies. I don't know if about for everything, but um, at least the movies, because I know there's some other stuff in here. Uh, and those are some long ass movies if y'all didn't already know we know y'all know but still <laughs> um, but yeah that's 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 quite a haul regardless so if you're a fan of the, the, the Lord of the Rings stuff uh, specifically go for it now the, I did not this is not why I had uh, uh, Agent 70 do that last one because I know he was a fan that's why but I get this one. So, the Matrix Resurrections trailer is finally here, folks. It came out today as of this recording, Thursday, uh, September 9th. Uh, uh, followed, well, not followed by, because it was followed up previously by um, a... I guess, well, it wasn't even a, a new site. It was a site they brought back up. So, basically, uh, last, this past Tuesday, whatisthematrix.com came back. 
uh, into service and had a teaser trailer uh, and some shots from this new Matrix 4 movie. Uh, and it was thought that was going to be a trailer coming up today, Thursday. And there is, and it is out there, and you should check it out. Uh, Agent 70, I believe we talked about it before the show. You said you've seen it. What'd you think? I thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. I have the same joke that everyone else has because it's John Wick in yes. the Matrix universe. Yes, I also made that joke earlier. So, yes. Um, look, whatever. It's going to bear out that way regardless of whether that's the case or not. But um, it's definitely, they're going in, they seem to be going in a different direction with, well, actually, we don't know what direction they're going with this, honestly, because we see some familiar beats, but we're also, like, we, there's some new people in that, like, like, Neil Patrick Harris was in the trailer. Right. Um, and and what it is, is that not remembering how Matrix Revolutions, is that the third one? I believe that's the case, yes. Right. Not remembering how Revolutions ends really hinders any sort of speculation as to what direction this new one might go in. Ultimately, it may just be a soft reboot, uh, you know, in in the sense that they're going in a vastly different direction using some of the familiar beats and lots of the familiar characters, but introducing a new crew that'll hopefully take the story into a brand new direction. So I'm probably going to watch the, the, the first three again because I have done that in the past anyway. And I do vaguely already do. I do remember how the last one ended. And I know a lot of people didn't too much care for it for reasons, for somewhat legit reasons, actually. Um, yeah, I'm very curious if that's even going to get touched on. Let's put it that way. Um... Because even going into this, you, I guess you can kind of see, and even with what they revealed, no pun intended, uh, in that last, in those last couple of them about the the nature of the Matrix, like yeah, you get it. There's probably was going to be something they could go off of, but in in a way you kind of didn't know how or what in what way. But there you go. It's out there, folks. You can go watch it for yourself. Uh, I watched about two or three different times, and we're not going to see the movie until... Actually, oh, no, here's the other thing that came out in this article. Um, So, it is coming to theaters this year, December 22nd, but it's also going to be on HBO Max at the same time. So, that's dope. And I believe this is one of the last ones that they said was going to be under that, or one of the last few that's going to be done like that, because as we have spoken previously... um, uh, Warner Brothers is like, nah, we're going back to the theaters because because we're sold out. Because know. of money. Yes, basically. Because of money. And ultimately, uh, if I recall correctly, they had made that they, they made the announcement that all of their uh that the Warner Brothers releases through twenty twenty one would be on HBO Max. Right. That was so yeah. So they're they're sticking with their word and uh this being one of the last releases of the twenty twenty one calendar year. Mm-hmm. Next up, though. Oh, oh next we're, up, we're actually going yeah, to we yeah. transitioning over to comic book news. Indeed. That actually reminds me of something. But um, <laughs> the the Hollywood Bowl looks like the Hall of Justice, and every time I see, because um, I believe there was a John Williams concert there, and there was pictures from the Hollywood Bowl, and every time I want to say, "Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice." Yeah. But anyway, Magic the Gathering's new werewolf cards bring back a cool, challenging mechanic. So this is from the next set of uh, 
next expansion for Magic the Gathering, because that train keeps a rolling, which is called Innistrad Midnight Hunt. It takes us back to Innistrad, which is basically werewolves and vampires and, and other such things that bump into the night. Um, and according to this article, it is a return to the classic style of gothic horror seen in 2011 with the launch of the original Innistrad block. Uh, it also brings back a challenging gameplay mechanic uh, heroes and monsters with different stats for the daytime and nighttime. So I guess there's a day-nighttime mechanic that we kind of see in um, <laughs> in uh, video games. Uh, as Jay Anelli writes in the new book Planes of the Multiverse of Visual History, which I've been trying to find a copy of, Innistrad is a home to all manner of monsters and fiends where werewolves rage in the night uh, hunting beasts and humans with equal vigor. And I believe we've also seen Innistrad uh, in the Magic the Gathering uh, uh, current series, comic book series, uh, briefly. So there you go. So yeah, there's a day-night mechanic going on here that they're bringing back. And I've also seen some uh, preview cards outside of the ones that... Uh, actually, it might be some of the same ones that are in this article. Um, but there you go. If you are a Magic the Gathering uh, noid then uh, you can go check that out when it happens, probably in the next couple of months or so. Next up. Next up. So, in some sad news, IDW has shuttered its tabletop games division due to, quote, rising trade costs. Earlier this summer, IDW reported to its shareholders that it had exited its tabletop games line of business during a quarterly report on earnings. The comics publisher and media company noted in the report that it had experienced a one-time loss related to tabletop games with the write-down of various capitalized expenses. The report also noted that IGW had exited from the tabletop games publishing business. IDW Games had recently let go of several key staff members in recent months with no replacements immediately lined up. IDW's game imprint, IDW Games, had published a number of high-profile licensed projects, including a series of games based on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Uh, the TMNT games were campaign-style board games based off of IDW's reboot comic series and raised over $1.5 million. Between two Kickstarters, IDW also published two board games based on Batman the Animated Series. Okay, so these were raised through... Um, uh, Kickstarters. Uh, despite the success of these and other Kickstarters, there were signs that IDW Games was in trouble. IDW Games had canceled several announced games, including several Metal Gear Solid board games, a Bomberman game, and a lock and key game. Okay, that's all too bad. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Chayun Fat the Killer. Great movie. If you don't know what that was in reference to, don't even worry about it. Anyway, um... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin number 4 has been delayed until September 22nd. Um, but if you want to know what other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or comic books are coming out uh, for the rest of this year, hey, this is an article that will show you, that will tell you just that. I know this article says that um, uh, The Last Ronin is coming out September 8th, but no, they're, 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 well, but down at the bottom of the article, it says the 22nd. And I, and I believe I have seen another article that said it was delayed again, which that series has been delayed again, even though it's coming out every two months, which is still crazy in a couple of fronts. But hey, 
But yeah, like I said, if you're a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and want to know what books are coming out and when for the rest of the year, then this article, uh, uh, all the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics, graphic novels, and collections arriving in 2021 and beyond, uh, has you covered. Next up. Speaking of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but not the new comics, but the old comics, Mm -hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one breaks a record at $245,000 is the highest amount paid for a Copper Age comic book. Copper Age, ladies and gentlemen, is for stuff that is uh, that came out far more recently than, uh, uh, you know, some of the uh, Silver Age stuff from the 60s to the 70s. So Comic Connect sold a CGC 9.8 copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one with white pages for $245,000 on September 1st. The sale set a record for highest price paid, as I said, for a copper age comic book. It beat out the recent sale of another CGC 9.8 copy of the same comic with white pages that sold on Comic Connect for $240,000 on August 24th, 2021. These two recent sales completely eclipsed a January heritage sale, uh, heritage auction sale, of a CGC 9.2 copy of the book that was signed by Kevin Eastman by over $200,000. Interesting. Indeed. Um, well, we can skip this one because this is a preview for that uh, Star Trek The Mirror War um, issue that I talked about earlier. So, But if you're interested in seeing the, a preview of that um, Star Trek The, the, the Mirror War uh, Zero issue that came out this week, this article has you covered. Uh, you can go check it out in the show notes. But I'll just do this next one and say the Hello Kiddo meets Naruto in excuse me, Naruto in new Funko Pops. So two worlds are coming together as uh, Naruto and Hello Kitty are being smashed together in new Funko Pops. Um, says uh, Pop Animation Sanrio times uh, uh, or X uh, Naruto features Bats Maru, Chocolat, Hello Kitty, and My Melody. I will scroll through these. Um, uh, these figures, I'm sure that Hello Kitty Naruto one will go for big, big, big monies or be sold out quickly. Uh, and there are various, so there are various uh, Sanrio characters uh, in the mold of uh, Naruto characters. So there you go. Next. Uh, an interesting news. Uh, Todd McFarlane shows off a Batman figure based off of his own artwork from the 1987 story Year 2, which ran in Detective Comics, numbers 575 to 578. So, as part of McFarlane Toys' upcoming Batman Year 2 figures, um, uh, one of the figures is going to feature an extremely long cape inspired by uh, McFarlane's own artwork. He says it's the coolest, biggest Batman cape we've ever done when when describing the Target-exclusive Boo figure which became available for pre-order on september 3rd as part of the retailers fall geek out event um the batman year two figure comes with attachable arms because it doesn't look right it doesn't fit right if he has arms once the arms are on the figure the lengthy stylized cape can be swapped out for a more modest fabric cape 
also packaged with the figures of card showing Batman against the moon and over 1000 units will be signed by McFarlane himself. My understanding is that those signed by McFarlane himself are going to be marked specifically that way. So uh, if you are hunting for that, sig- that signed card and signed figure, basically the signed um, figure, you have to be aware that it's going to be marked specifically that. Uh, and uh, um, if you see, if you're watching the video version, which sometimes you should, you can see um, pictures of the figure in various forms. Uh, next up, though, this is cool. I like this. Um, Ronan Mandalorian in Beskar armor with Grogu figure uh, hits the Star Wars movie realization uh, figure line. Which is a long way to say that, hey, they basically made a, a Mandalorian, uh, a lone wolf and Mandalorian, uh, excuse me, a, a lone Mandalorian and cub uh, figure um, uh, for a sale. So, um, yeah, uh, let's see, Disney's uh, The Mandalorian's back in uh, Tamashi, Tamashi Nation's Star Wars movie realization uh, lineup. And this time, Mando brought along Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Uh, the figure stands over seven inches tall and features a brand new sculpt feature, uh, excuse me, complete with Beskar armor. Uh, the Grogu Baby Yoda figure is to scale and comes with a cool pram that's inspired by the wooden push carts from Samurai Era Japan. Also, Lone Wolf and Cub, if, you, if, if, if that is your frame of reference, like it possibly is for me. Probably it doesn't have spikes coming out of the side, but that's just a missed opportunity. Um, accessories for the Mandalorian movie uh, figure set includes Mando's blaster and jetpack, along with swappable hands, a sword, and scabbard. Pre-orders are live, uh, and it's 140 bucks, but you can probably find that, give or take it, in various different places. Uh, the release date is set for March 2022, but keep in mind that you won't be charged until the figure ships. That's from the place they're talking about. Uh, well, it's probably most places. Um, but also, uh, there is a Nerf, uh, Mandalorian Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster replica that is set to arrive on October 1st, and you can also pre-order that, and it's 125 bucks. Um, so yeah, it's a nerf version of, um, the, the Mando's rifle. So you can go check that out. Are you interested in either one of these? Not really, but you know, it'd be, you know, if, if I were a different age and coming up, that Mando rifle would be pretty cool. Yeah. The disintegrated rifle. As a, as a fan of nerf stuff, I'm kind of interested in it, but that's a lot of money and I don't have the place to put it. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I said, like, I cannot open up my closet and have a wall of Nerf guns like I've seen people have. No. Anyway, uh, Scarlet Witch forms an un... I was about to say, I got this one. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. A preview for the Darkhold Alpha number one sees Scarlet Witch form an uneasy alliance with a major Marvel villain. According to the solicitation for the issue, the one-shot story sees Wanda Maximoff gather the heroes of the world and unleash their inner darkness to fight a looming threat. The preview sees Wanda wake up from a nightmare vision of Earth's mightiest heroes overwhelmed by demonic creatures in Times Square. The next page of the preview sees Wanda reunite with the former flame, Doctor Doom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Victor's been 
Victor has has had some um, interests in his day, let's say. Uh, Marvel teases a digital-only X-Men series from Hickman and Shalvey. So writer Jonathan Hickman and writer-artist Declan Shalvey are collaborating on a digital-only X-Men series for Marvel Unlimited. Uh, a short 15-second video teases, quote-unquote, a new comic X experience is coming to Marvel Unlimited on September 9th, which is today, uh, as of this recording. We then see the Krakoan language on the screen translated into the names of Jonathan Hickman and Declan Shalvey, who will team this Marvel Universe exclusive series. Um... I'm going to assume that this is on the app because I have because we, I think we were checking earlier, uh, and this next well this and the next uh, article doesn't seem to be up yet unless I'm missing something. Uh, next up. Next up, as reported by our very own Tim Dog ninety eight. Marvel Unlimited relaunches with digital exclusive Infinity Comics. So yeah, I actually checked uh, my Marvel Unlimited app, and it is in fact reloaded, and um, you know uh, has a different um, has a different uh, 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 what call it app icon. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for the life of me, I can't remember my password. I may end up having to reset it. Um, and and like a like a doofus, I did not jot it down or keep it in my password organizer. Mm. Uh, the relaunch of the Marvel Unlimited app features a new line of exclusive Infinity Comics, starring the X Men, Captain America, Black Widow, and more. Subscribers will get a new reading experience on Marvel Unlimited as the digital comic subscription service relaunches with new features, including that exclusive line of Infinity Comics. Infinity Comics are full-screen, high-resolution vertical series specifically designed for phones and tablets. Fans will find 27 Infinity Comics available on Marvel Unlimited, with over 100 issues planned by the end of 2021. Leading the way are X-Men Unlimited, giant-sized Little Marvels, Captain America, it's Jeff... Black Widow, Amazing Fantasy, Deadpool, Shang-Chi, and Venom Carnage. The list of creators include Jonathan Hickman, Declan Shalvey, Scotty Young, Dax Gordine, Alyssa Wong, Nathan Stockman, Kelly Thompson, Jerry Duggan, Lucas Vernick, and Giaffo, Giaffo, former guest of the show, among others. I'm guessing that it, it's Jeff is the land shark from West Coast Adventures who gains some slight popularity. Uh, and I'm going to assume Kelly Thompson is probably the one writing that one, given that that she she was the one who was writing that uh, volume of uh, the Wackos. So yeah, so I like how they say Marvel Unlimited, all new, all different, which is a tagline for for a uh, past um, uh, uh, Marvel for several for yes. several past Marvel yes. initiatives. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, if you have Marvel Unlimited, you should be able to check that out now uh, during the app. The website itself is still kind of wonky, but still um, showing as it was that I can tell. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Uh, Udon announces new Steins Gate uh, hardcover omnibus and sequel magna manga. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Udon Entertainment has entered, uh, has announced that it will publish the Steins Gate Zero manga in English this fall, along with a special edition re-release of the original three-volume Steins Gate manga. Uh, the hardcover special edition reissue um, will be released on October 21st and will only be available at retailers Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's 500 pages, uh, and there will be cover art by the, uh, the mangaka... 
and uh, is Yomi Sirachi, who is the, the mangaka, and a photo poster featuring the series' heroine, and uh, looks like there will be the reprinted reprints in spring of 2022 for some other stuff. Next. Next, Scott Kurtz and Carl Kershaw's Superman fan fiction story is finished after eight years. Wow. Okay. Um, it's finally been realized alongside glorious, inspiring art, originally written by PVP webcomic artist Scott Kurtz in 2013 after watching Man of Steel. The five-page story attracted the attention of artist Carl Kershaw, who volunteered to illustrate it as a fun side project. After eight years, Kershaw finally finished the comic and posted it on his website. We did this because we love Superman, Kershaw said on Twitter, pointing out on his website that the short script captured the simplicity and positivity that he always longs for in a Superman story. Okay. So that means, quote-unquote, real fans will hate it. Ah! Um... Those suckers. Anyway, Leonard and Larry, Terry Barella's groundbreaking LGBT plus comic gets a complete collection. Um, see, Tim Barella's groundbreaking Leonard and Larry will finally be released in a complete collection featuring all of the original out of print collections of the uh, classic gay comic, which was released at a time where there were very little in the way of gay pop culture, period. Uh, let alone a regular comic about a gay couple. Uh, Larry and, and Linter were created by Barella as minor supporting characters in a strip that did not end up working out. Instead, Barella ended up put the spotlight upon the happy couple in gay comics with an X. Number five, edited by the great Robert Tripto. Um, where a still somewhat closeted, uh, Leonard is pressured to go out on a date with, with the daughter of a friend of his mother, and so he and Larry go out on a double date with the women of her roommate. Uh, why does it feel like uh, Frankie and Grace from from Netflix? I don't know why. But anyway, uh, this strip ended in 2003, looks like. And it is being um, re-released under Good Yarns Press. Uh, along with the, uh, the other long out-of-print comics uh, uh, collections, like I said. And I think this is coming out... At some point, it doesn't say a time frame. So there you go. Next. Next up, apparently the page for this story is uh, down for maintenance if you if you, if you uh, click on it. Oh. But I'll just read the note. Uh, in the hilarious webcomic Beware of Toddler by George Gant, readers will follow the adventures of a man and his daughter, and the ensuing power struggle is entirely entertaining. The weekly gag strip regularly pits a father against his toddler daughter, and uh, a few readers will be surprised to learn that the daughter ends up with, and and no 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 readers will be surprised to learn that the daughter ends up with the upper hand the majority of the time. So this is a web comic. I'm not sure where it's available. I can't open the story. Uh, is it on? Actually, luckily I have it up. Um, and yeah, it's on Webtoon. Okay. So you say you can also read Beware of Toddler on Webtoon if you prefer. I guess it's somewhere else. Uh, or it probably has its own site, I would imagine. But it's also on Webtoon. Uh, and speaking of Webtoon, last but not least, uh, DC's Batman Day 2021 lineup includes a podcast, uh, Phase Clan, 
uh, Webtoon and more, which I believe the Webtoon that uh, is about to be re- talked about is out already. Or at least the first issue of it, I think, is out already because of that collaboration with uh, Webtoons. But uh, DC has announced its lineup for, of content for Batman Day 2021, which features a podcast dedicated to the Night Dark Knight, free digital comics, and collaborations with FaZe Clan. I have no idea who that is. And Webtoon. Uh, Batman The Audio Adventures, which I think we have talked about previously, will debut September 18th on HBO Max for Batman Day. Um, all 10 episodes will be available uh, with its um, all-star cast. We won't go through this, but some names you know. Uh, limited edition comic will feature popular FaZe Clan members like FaZe Banks and some other people who still don't know who these people are in the superhero form and premiere t- September 24th. Batman Wayne Family Adventures is the first DC webtoon to make its debut, and that's out today as of this recording, or actually yesterday as of this recording, or actually, I guess day before yesterday, but regardless, it's out already, you can go check that out on, uh, actually I'm not sure, I guess it's on webtoons, um, but DC Universe Infinite would also make select Batman titles available to read for free. And a sample, a free sample for Batman The World will be available in booksellers and comic book shops nationwide day, uh, on Batman Day, which I think, I don't know if that Batman The World is out. I think that is out today, isn't it? Um, What's that? Batman The World. Uh, don't know. You have to check comic list or something. Yeah, I'm looking at DC's uh, site right now. September 8th. Oh. It's going to be launches worldwide on Tuesday, September 14th. Uh, so the, the week of uh, uh, Batman Day, which is that uh, Saturday. So there you go. That is it. For, wait, wait, is that it? Yeah, yep, that's it. pretty much it. So that is the end of uh, the news and therefore the end of the show. But first, before we even get to the ad read, actually, I got a really, really, really quick not so toy corner. Okay, uh, but uh, I just wanted to show this off as a as a, a new acquisition. Ha! Uh, I just remembered my Marvel Unlimited password. Oh, nice! Now I'm gonna jot it down. I would like to believe I jogged his memory, but I probably had nothing to do with that. Regardless, so here's it's folks. just one of those things that when you're not looking or thinking about something hard, mm-hmm. that's when it comes into your brain, right? Pretty much. So go ahead. Here you go, folks. Um. Uh, my green screen is slightly giving me a little bit of issue, but that's okay. You can see it here. I have in my hot little hands um, the Japanese collection of Transformers. So, folks may know um, the Transformers that we know and love, G1, uh, tra- the animated series, is not the only series that's out there. There was also a Japanese version. Uh, a series that has been going on, probably still going on, actually, I don't know, in various forms, I don't know, um, that had been put out on DVD and Blu-ray. They have since discontinued said uh, collection, so I think as of, I, mean, I think we talked about it, as of probably about a month or two ago, they stopped selling them uh, for some odd reason, but uh, I happened to be able to find... Uh, a copy of it from a place which I won't, you know, we don't have a sponsor with them, so, you know, <laughs> that's irrelevant to where I got it from, but it was um, it was a gamble, let's just say. It's it's that type of a site. 
but here you go. Like I said, it is, uh, let's see, 1984, the, the Transformers. Um, it says here that for the very first, first time in North America, which, granted, this is, has been out for a good minute, the Headmasters, Super God, Master Force, and Victory, which, uh, if you remember us talking about Saber Victory, or Victory Saber uh, figure that Hasbro Pulse is putting out, that's one of the characters, I guess that's the main character, um, that is in the series, or ends up being in the series, rather. So I'm looking forward to looking for looking through this because I've only seen like bits and pieces of it on like YouTube. So I plan on going through this at some point. And actually speaking of Transformers, um I believe season three of the G1's Transformers are probably going to be out by the time the audio version of this program comes out, which is probably gonna be like looks like Saturday. Uh the way they've been putting those out. So I've been kinda of going through season two on YouTube and even though, like, I have a copy of all of them here. it's It's been interesting. But now, anyway, we can go into our final ad read. Our final ad read of the night is for Funko Fun at First Sight. Your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel, including T-shirts, hacks, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10, S-H-O-P-10, for your 10% off discount. Funco through CSPN.US. Do it today! So I didn't see this Baby Yoda uh, that I'm, uh, that's on the site uh, that they're showing on the, on the front page of the site. That's pretty cute. So it's baby, or if you're watching the video, you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, it's Baby Yoda with a little, I guess that's the gear shift. Or a ball. I'm not sure which one that is, but it's cute. Anyway, folks. So, so those, uh, what you call those unlimited comics? They're up on the on, on the, Marvel Unlimited on the app. Yeah, on the app. I'm okay. I'm looking at the X Men one right now. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's what they said. So cool, cool beans, cool beans. Uh, so get like I said, if you wait, are they free or are they? Because I don't think that, that article said. I'm, I'm assuming they're, they're with... It's um, they're, yeah, it looks like they're included. Oh, so that's included when you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. Right. Okay, so not for... Right, right, right. I, my understanding... I mean, I read an article that I skimmed... I, I skimmed an article. I, I'll not uh, overstate what I did. I skimmed an article, and what my understanding was is that, you know, you can re, you can download the app for free, right? right? And you have you access can. to certain comics, and I think what they were touting was that you can read the x-men unlimited one for free if you're not a subscriber gotcha. but all the other ones require a subscription but because we're both subscribers we just need to access it on the app and we should be uh able to read these new unlimited comics for sure um actually, i should pull that up during, on Bluestacks also but anyway uh yes so folks like I said, if you have it, we're again Marvel Unlimited, not a sponsor. It's just a service that we uh, we have used and enjoy. 
Right. We make a lot of use of it during the course of, uh, you know, we've made a lot of use of it over the course of the pandemic, especially. For sure. And especially when we were doing the evergreen episodes. Mm-hmm. And now you can, too, because I'm pretty sure, I, well, I don't think they have any deals going on, and, and I'm not going to tell them here in a way if they did. So that, folks, um, but if they want to sponsor us, all great. I would appreciate it. We're, that's not going to change our uh, reporting of your books, but still. Or our, 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 our opinions of your books, but still. And in that, folks, uh, we come to another, the end of another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. My apologies for the low energy. It's been a week. Um, and a night, because I haven't been sleeping. But um, we will be back next week. I will get to that in a second. But you can find me, Roddy Cats. Uh, it's Roddy Cats on Twitter. You can find me at News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70. You can on Twitter and Instagram. PC underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and his umbrella site's therein, and probably still bites uh, uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D O G G 98 on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find him at CBCron, uh, which is the Comic Book Chronicles Twitter account. Uh, you can also find him at The Click Nation on Twitter, that's T H E. K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N all one word uh, theclicknation.com but first and foremost you can find him at Comic Book Resources uh, where he's over there writing his face off definitely go um, go check out his work uh, and uh, click on his articles give that man some views and read for goodness sake reading is fundamental people don't read anymore uh, anyway you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, uh, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. But you can also find this podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network, which I almost skipped over, which is um, cspn.us. Do it today! You could also find us recording live every Thursday night, 9.30-ish p.m. on uh, the Click Nation's YouTube channel and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. So yeah, do join us sometimes. Uh, you know, ask questions. We don't mind. We may or may not be able to answer them, but we'll, we'll give it our darndest. Um, indeed. So yeah, um... Got another episode of uh, What If next week to talk about. Uh, we don't have any movies to talk about. Well, just let me freeze that. Uh, if I get a chance to see Shang-Chi, we'll either talk about it in a um, in a special edition, in a in a in a um, Tre- treasure edition, or next week's show. We will see how that pans out. Um, but you know, we'll let you know one way or the other. Uh, uh, again, this coming Saturday, as of this recording, will be September 11th. Um, so, you know, um, I guess, um, you know, not, it's not a celebration, but, you know. Uh, no, pay your respects remember, to the fallen. Exactly. Uh, pray in remembrance of the fallen. 
and uh, you know, you know, we as we continue to strive to do better. Yes, hold hold references how how you can. Um, and again, like I said, there is that um, that uh, tribute uh, issue that's on um, that's in this week's uh, comic book and Marvel comic books, but also on Comic Con. You can check out it for free if you go to the uh, the uh, clickbait section of this show's um, um, show notes. And with that, folks, not to believe this anymore. This has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Salute me, familia. Salute. Salute. Salute.